Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Friday. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily Blue Bomber Home Opener and CFL kickoff tonight at IG Field. We are all over it, as well as a lot of interesting offseason news from around the National Hockey League. Loaded show today. We'll have AJ Jackabek, voice of the Red Blacks, join us in hour number two before we drop the marbles. We will have Eddie Tate from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and BlueBombers.com tee up the home side of things coming up in just a few minutes. And in between some CFL talk, we'll have an extended conversation with Murata Tesh of The Athletic and hit the coaching vacancies around the league and you know what we've learning. We've got some interesting stuff from Greg Wyshynski and Elliot Friedman to chew on at the beginning of the program. And Marat's latest piece as to what the return for Mark Shifley would look like, um, kind of teaming up with a number of his athletic colleagues from around the league. So uh, uh, we've got lots to get to today. We will drop the marbles, so make sure to stick around if you're with us on YouTube for your chance to win a Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodie. And a little bit later on, I will also have a message for Barry Trotz and an offer that may just be too good to pass up to get him back to Manitoba to coach the Winnipeg Jets. Hey, a big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club, and of course, our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Speaking of Cool Bet, Dustin Nielsen, who will be calling the game tonight on TSN, for T, uh, calling coast to coast between the Bombers and Red Blacks, and tomorrow's Elks, the Lions game. And I just finished up the uh, weekend edition of the Lock Shop, hitting all the Canadian football league games, the hockey, the basketball. So wherever you're getting your podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Lock Shop and check that out as well. Let's get this party going and get Michael Remus in here. Remo, what's up? Hey, I'm pumped up. CFL underway. I had a great time watching the riveting down to the wire Alouette Stampeders game last night as well. The Tampa Bay Lightning doing it again in the final. You think the game's going to overtime and they just score in the last like two minutes. It's happened multiple times, robbing everyone of glorious overtime. Damn you, Tampa Bay. But it's a beautiful day out. Uh, the bomber home opener is today raising of another banner. So great day here in Winnipeg. I see you're dressed for the occasion. Yeah, exactly. I thought I'd pull out the champs shirt today. Um, hey, I, I cannot wait to get there tonight. Um, shout out to my guy, Trevor Knott. Going to be going with uh, some of the Knott crew this evening. So we'll look forward to seeing them at the game. And it is absolutely glorious outside. We've been waiting so long for weather like this. Uh, and unfortunately, looking at the forecast for the next week, it seems like it's going to be raining quite a bit. So let's make the most of it tonight. From all accounts, we're going to have a great crowd. I mean, I've heard hopefully in excess of 29,000 would be great to get up to 30. Uh, and I have absolutely no doubt that it'll be a festive atmosphere when another Grey Cup banner goes up at IG Field. And then we'll see what the 2022 version of the Winnipeg Football Club looks like against our old friend Paul Apolise. That being said, Remo, I was actually, well, first and foremost, you know that I'm invested in Tampa in this series. So I wasn't upset to see Tampa score when they did. And as much as I, like everyone, loves overtime, 
I was glad that that game finished when it did so we could focus in on the CFL kickoff game between Montreal and Calgary, which was an absolute thriller. What an awesome way to get the season going with a three-point win for the Stamps over the Alouettes, a little QB controversy already in Calgary, might we have? Uh, That was a real fun way to kick off the season. Controversy? It's already been decided. Bo Levi, I I don't know how you go with him going forward. Um, the bad news for the Alouettes in that game, William Stanback, their star running back. I don't know if he broke his ankle or what, but he got carted off. I think there's some dispute of what their actual report is, but he's going to be a it number of weeks. Bad. It did, looked bad. I'll, I'll just say that. It did not look good. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. made some plays, but you know, he also throws interceptions. He did that yesterday and Bo Levi, he did not look good. His touch on the deep ball was not there. Couldn't connect with Kamar Jordan. Um, I didn't think it went well, but Jake Mayer comes in four for five, throws for 57 yards, leads them down, and uh, kicks the winning field goal at the end. Riveting theater there. And yes, it was Vernon Adams had the two picks. Bo Levi had, what, 21 for 34, uh, 200 yards, like 199, sorry. One touchdown, one pick. Um, I see bad mood. Blake and chat says, believe I won't be the starter on Labor Day before that. Like, I, I, I think, I think we're showing signs that he wasn't the guy. Um, we saw this last year. I don't know. He just, he's not the same guy that he's, that he's been in the last couple of years. So, uh, I'm curious what's going to happen here in Calgary. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it could be over for BLM. What can I say? And by the way, I'm not talking black lives matter. I'm talking Bo Levi Mitchell. I, I, used that acronym yesterday and someone looked at me sideways and I realized that they thought I was talking about something completely different. No, Bo Levi Mitchell, is he the guy for Calgary? I went in, I told you, Remo, yesterday on the show, I was going to ride with Bo in week one in our DraftKings contest, thinking that, you know, he's feeling the heat right now and he needed to come out and reestablish himself as the clear-cut number one. Well, he did not do that. He's on my personal suspended list for DraftKings the rest of the way. And you know what was interesting? Listening to Dickinson after the game speak about the win and speak about Jake Mayer, and it is quite clear that he has all the confidence in the world in the younger quarterback. And I'm going to be very interested to see how practice plays out in Calgary and who gets the start going forward. And again, it was some sort of an injury or nicked up. It would be quite easy to sort of say that that's still an issue and give Jake Mayer the opportunity to start. And if he can win some football games, keep him in there going forward. All that being said, Calgary's got a pretty nice quarterback situation with a one-two punch. Um, Certainly the Bombers feel like they've got the best guy in the league in Zach Caleros. But after Zach Caleros, not quite the depth of either of last night's team considering Mm -hmm. the backups that Calgary and Montreal had. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of teams have depth. Like, look at the NFL, you know, with the Colts. Peyton Manning goes down, and who is their backup? Like, Curtis Painter that season? Same with the Pats, where they had Tom Brady, and who there was their backup. Um, uh, what's his face? Matt Castle. And, like, it's a lost season. So, I don't – I think that's a common thing. And, any like, any player in the NFL, no matter your position, one hit away. We saw that with Stanback. So, you just got to hope the reigning MOP stays healthy. Uh, Zach Claris and should be uh, okay. You hope for the Bombers and the defense, you know, a lot of returning guys as well. And I think that's going to be huge for the Bombers tonight, the continuity and the roster. Cause you look on the opposite side, we'll talk with AJ Jackabek later, Ottawa basically rebuilt their entire team after that miserable season last year. Well, and, and it's funny. Um, 
the line has really taken a it's bottomed out i mean it was nine and a half yesterday even when i was getting ready for the lock shop late last night it's seven right now i think there's a lot of money that's coming on ottawa thinking that they're going to be much better um although the bombers and the bomber defense has been so good at keeping teams to you know a minimum amount of points although we'll see what this means and how they deal with out having jackson jeffcoat in addition to the loss of stove richardson some of the other guys that left over the course of the offseason hey a uh, couple quick thank yous b henderson welcome uh great to have you with us thanks so much for becoming a member of the channel folks if you do want to become if you see all the guys with the green fonts and the microphones and the cool emojis uh emotes in the chat um our members it's $2 a month. Great way to support the channel. B. Henderson just got in there. B, thank you very much for doing this. And uh, how's this for a message from John Sekulik? Andrew and Michael, you guys are both wonderful. Thanks. Cheers to you both for doing a solid job. If you could do a shout-out to me, that would be awesome. Well, John, you give us compliments like that. Damn rights will give you a shout-out. Welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us, and make sure to stick around. Maybe that compliment will give you some extra karma when it comes to the marbles a little later on tonight but uh Remo, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the canadian football league um let's get to some of this off-season nhl talk unless you want to get into the game a little bit more i think we can maybe talk a little bit more about uh you know game six when we get into the cool what bet game? lines a little a the little hockey? bit later on Yes, I'm, yes. The... I'm done, done with hockey, please. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the only thing that it, no one's talking about the game. The only thing I see on social media is oh. uh, that Ranger fan who sucker punched a Lightning fan uh, walking out of the game. Absolutely uh, disgusting. Uh, disgusting. Uh, that was assault. The guy was arrested. It seemed like that Lightning fan was, was okay. But anyone who goes up to someone and does that... Um, absolutely sick this is sports it's a game it's supposed to be fun you don't need to go punching anyone because your team lost absolutely disgusting there's these psychopaths amongst us that you know whether it is alcohol whether it is you know the anger of having your team lose um turns people into into criminals i mean let's face it that was criminal behavior last night and if you haven't seen this a guy basically is just walking out after the game turns around and cold cocks a lightning fan who is absolutely out and you know you i had not seen that before you sent it to me late last night and you know you hear the people around going oh my god he's dead he's dead and for a second i thought he might have been because you could literally kill someone doing that so i'm certainly glad to hear that that guy has been arrested uh i think because of the viral nature of that video uh, i certainly hope that they you know punish him to the maximum extent of the law and i hope they use that as some sort of an example um for sports fans everywhere that that not only is bullshit intolerable uh but it also end your ass up in jail uh because i will say this reem there has been really post-pandemic um after all the shutdowns and when sports came back there has been a section of sports fandom that um has gone even more extreme. And we've seen so many ugly incidents in crowds. Um, we saw things actually on the court, you know, for the NBA. We've seen a lot of fans do a lot of stupid things. And it's almost as if everyone forgot what it was like to behave in public over the course of the lockdown. But um, that was despicable. And um, listen, a lot of people talking about it, but the bottom line is great to know that that guy has been arrested, has been charged, and is gonna have to pay the price. And yeah. obviously the guy apparently is okay uh, he was knocked out for about five minutes and then 
decided that um, didn't need any help and took off and probably went and celebrated the Lightning's win with a big black eye or something like that. Yeah, and I, you know, you've heard about stuff like this before. Uh, I think it was what Dodgers and, and Giants have a big rivalry. Uh, it's pretty gross, but it's nice to see you know that guy getting help. Everyone stopping, like just such a cowardly act. Yeah, going up to someone and just clocking them. Not not okay. I mean, I think it, you know this. Look at the game last night. That is literally the only thing I'm seeing about the game on Twitter. Not Palat scoring, you know, with the end. Or I am also seeing gifts of Truba trying to take Palat's head off and missing. Thankfully for Andre, Andre Palat, Truba, big, uh, big wrecking ball. I thought he caught that one. That one did look like a bit of a flying elbow from Truba. He's got to watch out. I'm so it's kind of surprising he hasn't got popped for a few games here after taking everyone's head off in the playoffs. Well, I mean, he didn't take anybody's head off last night. The guy ducked. Yeah, he ducked. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, what, what? Crosby had to miss some games from that. And other who get McKinnon earlier in the season. Um, Max Domi. I don't know if that was necessarily Truba, a head for one. the most part, is a very clean hitter. But mm-hmm. my God, does he hit like a locomotive at times. Now, that's the good of Jacob True, but there also is the bad at times. And um, sometimes it's puck management. And that was clearly a big part of the winning goal last night. I believe Jake Truba had the puck on his stick and was the last guy from the Rangers to have it on. And I would be lying, Remus, if the, I was sitting with the guys <laughs> watching the game and it didn't spark memories of maybe the darkest moment in Jacob Truba's Winnipeg Jets career with another game okay. five incident and a brain cramp trying to play the, trying to just okay. wait it out. Okay, here's here's the speaking of that, here's a tweet from Bar Down today. Uh what's a hockey screenshot that still gives you nightmares? Now it wasn't Truba um from last night, it was Ryan Strom at the side of the net uh with a seemingly wide open cage. And my response was, well, I have a number of options here I can go with. My screenshot was where was it? Ah yes, uh, here it is. Kevin Hayes. Taking the puck, uh, taking the puck out of the net in game five. And as you said, Truba, I mean, I could have gone with, I mean, they showed a goal that wasn't, so I went with the goal. But the other option was Truba behind the net. And shout out to Kyle, who tweeted this at me. And here he is with 25 <laughs> point seconds left in game five. Um, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, I remember being at the game with uh, my dad standing up and screaming, What are you doing? There's 20 seconds left. And uh, we all know that uh, Jaden Schwartz scored the winner shortly after, and we didn't get overtime in Game 5. Uh, and the Blues went on to win the Cup, so... Um, Kyle. Sorry Kyle, to bring up great painful Photoshop memories. Photoshop work with the, with, the, with the infamous LeBron, LeBron James, J.R. Smith <laughs> incident from the finals that year. And yeah, 25 seconds. Let's just hold the puck behind the net and go to OT. Ay, ay, ay. Um, that being said, Truba and the Rangers have played really, really well. They've had an unbelievable run to get to this point. Uh, but after that win last night by the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're one win away from going for a third straight trip to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I think it's highly likely that they get it done, and certainly they'll be a big mm-hmm. favorite for tomorrow's game number six. Um, but, Remo, let's get to uh, the latest on Trot's Watch and the coaching searches around the league um i know we've got a clip oh by the way just quickly before that and we'll hit this later on i'll give you a full leaderboard update but great news aaron cockrell manitoba made pga tour debut at the rbc canadian open 
He is going to be playing the weekend in his first trip ever. And uh, he's tied for 21st right now. A two under par 68 today for the Manitoban. He's tied for 21st. He is all but assured of playing on the weekend. Cashing a nice check. And hey, half the work is done getting to the weekend. Now it's time to earn a big check and maybe do something really special. So big congratulations to Aaron Cockrell. And we will do a full Canadian Open leaderboard update a little bit later on in the afternoon for our friends over at Breezy Bend. But, uh, Remo, what's the word on the street about the latest on these NHL head coaching vacancies? So here we have Elliot from today on his podcast laying out the Jets. You know, we're on Trot's watch, but Trot seems to be taking his time. And Greg Wyshynski of ESPN writes today that taking his time, and I want to pick my say what he said here uh, an NHL source told Wyshynski that taking his time can be read as stoking a bidding war among teams for his services now that was Wyshynski but here's Elliot saying uh, the Jets who are they looking at as contingency plans uh, from Barry Trotz so here is the clip from this morning's 32 thoughts I think Winnipeg and I want to be very careful how I say this I think Winnipeg is, there's been a lot of talk over the lot time about Jim Montgomery. I'm not sure he ever got interviewed there. So I'm not sure where that one stands. I think Winnipeg, and I want to be very careful how I say this. I think Winnipeg is making contingency plans as they should in case Trotz doesn't end up there. And you've mentioned Tockett. Yep. You've mentioned Arneal. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Montgomery. I think Pascal Vincent, who they know very well, is on their list. And I think there might be one or two uh, more. I heard that there was some talk. I, I actually mentioned it a while ago that there was some talk that Randy Carlisle would get interviewed there. I don't believe that's going to happen. So that's Winnipeg. All right, there's Freege in conversation with Jeff Merrick a little earlier today on 32 Thoughts with a little latest update on that. And listen, a number of those names that we've heard before, Remo, I mean, have been mentioned. Pascal Vincent is interesting considering, you know, how highly he was regarded by the organization and the job he did here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. But I think it's pretty clear that all of those names are significantly below the guy on the top of the list, and that is Barry Trotz, who really does hold all the cards right now, um, considering the interest in his services amongst teams needing a head coach for next season. Yeah, and I was looking at the ESPN list. They have Trotz as their top ranking. Bruce Cassidy, I think, throws maybe a wrench if you're interested in Trotz. Maybe you'd be interested in Cassidy. Seemingly, uh, we had the report a couple weeks ago from Emily Kaplan you know, saying that she was hearing that it might already, uh, already be be done, but we'll we'll wait and see on that. But Cassidy, we mentioned, um, you know, he did work with George McPhee in Washington as well, so he could be a, a name there. But for the Jets, back to them. So you know, look, they got to have plans if Barry doesn't work out for whatever reason, or he decides he's going to take the year off. So names again: Arneal, Jim Montgomery, uh, who Pascal Vincent. And Rick Toggett, who they interviewed, and no Randy Carlisle. I know Marat had some stuff on Jim Montgomery earlier this week. I'm interested to hear what he has to say. And just going back to Greg, Greg Wyshynski's article on Jim Montgomery, an NHL executive um, just expressed concern to him about the way things ended 
in Dallas because of his um, what unprofessional conduct, and then he went to rehab for alcohol. But seemingly, he's rehabilitated himself and is having a being a successful assistant coach in St. Louis. So, you know, we're keeping an eye on things, and this is where we're at right now. You know what? I think it's time. I think it's time for this message. Um, we've spent a lot of time talking about Barry Trotz and contingency plans, and now we're going down that road. <clears throat> I think it's important now to do, to put one more foot forward to try to end this in the way that we all want it to end, and that is with Barry Trotz coming back to Winnipeg, Manitoba, to his home province of Manitoba, to take over the Winnipeg Jets and turn this thing around. Now, I do not know the money that's been involved. There's been a lot of things that have been reported with, you know, potential management opportunities later on. That's up to the Jets. But maybe we can come in on this beautiful Friday afternoon here in Southern Manitoba and act as somewhat of a closer. So Barry, if you're listening, or if someone can forward this over to you, I have an offer that might just be too good to refuse. You can look outside. We've got, you know, people talk about the snow. No, right now it's Manitoba summer. It's beautiful. We're going into the weekend. And you will probably be having a few cold ones on the on, a, uh, on this Friday evening and hopefully over the weekend. Very well deserved. What if I told you that coming back to your home province of Manitoba, being welcomed as a hero, would also include free beer for life? from our good friends at Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg and Manitoba's favorite local beer. And on top of that, not just free beer, not just the Barry Trotz beer fridge full for eternity, but we would also be able to make, and this goes right up to the top, Kevin and the gang there have signed off on this, not only free beer for life, but a Little Brown Jug beer named after the coach. How, how, would, how would the Trots homecoming lager sound? I guarantee you, it'd be a big seller everywhere on. So Barry, crack one. Think about it over the course of the weekend. We would love to have you back here. And Little Brown Jug and Winnipeg Sports Talk have you covered. You will never need to buy another beer again in the city of Winnipeg. And we will have a Barry Trots beer. Uh, and who knows, maybe just maybe there could be some sort of a Stanley Cup logger a little later on. Uh, I know there's going to be some celebrations tonight at the Bomber game as we celebrate back-to-back champions for our football squad as well. All right. Um, we'll talk more about this offer to Barry Trotz later on when we get Murata Tesh on the program. But we are going to um, pivot over to football. Um Everyone, <laughs> people are liking it in the chat. Absolutely. The Trots branded beer. And by the way, yes, in the chat, I, I just came up with the Trots homecoming lager. That would be my suggestion, but you may have an idea for what the Barry Trots beer would be called. Hit us up in the chat if you're with us live on YouTube. All right, Eddie Tate's coming up. At some point during this season, over the course of hopefully a bomber bye week, we're going to get out to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge and checking out what's coming out of the lake these days at Aikens. And let me just say, they are monsters. Um, there's nothing like a trip to Aikens. Fly-in fishing lodge. You can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. And not only are you out there in paradise, but you're taken care of by some of the best people you will ever meet with Pitt Turan, the family, and the great people out at Aikens. Find out more at AikensLake.com about limited availabilities this year or get planning a trip of a lifetime for next season at AikensLake.com or on Twitter. Give Pitt a hit up at Aikens Lake as well. Uh, Wallace and Wallace 
is everywhere. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city because they've been serving residential and commercial customers for over 75 years as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. Whatever kind of fence you need, they've got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 is the number. One of the experts will arrange a timeout to give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom off of Keniston. Uh, uh, the gang at Vita Health Fresh Market's ready for the weekend. You want to get some great healthy stuff to throw on the barbecue? Start your search over at Vita Health. They've got amazing lean bison steaks, chicken, and more for the grill. Not to mention great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And hey, if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Now with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, online at myvita.ca. And uh, a shout out to our friends over at Afro Apparel. I know my dad's got a big birthday coming up and I'll give him a big happy birthday in advance because it's tomorrow. And I know he was in for a fitting getting uh, some new duds at F yesterday. Of course, F Apparel is the go-to spot for men for custom suits beginning at just $400. They've got all the new, the swatches and styles for summer are there available for you. And of course, every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F will take care of you from top to bottom. Pop down and see him at 190 Smith Street. And if you are involved in a wedding or planning one, talk to Andrew and the gang about a 15% discount for your entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. Hit him up online at fephapparel.com. All right. We'll get back to some hockey talk with Murad a little later on. AJ Jackabek, voice of the Red Blacks, will join us as well. But right now, let's welcome in Eddie Tate from bluebombers.com to get ready for kickoff tonight. Edward, what's up? How are you, Huss? How are you, Remo? Oh, we are, uh, we're awesome. We're fired up for the game tonight. I mean, it couldn't have really worked out much better. I mean, probably the nicest day we've had in eight or nine months to welcome the champs back, to welcome a new Grey Cup banner to IG Field, and maybe most importantly, uh, welcome 29,000, 30,000 people to the ballpark tonight for the kickoff of CFL season. And that's all coming off a pretty great start to the year last night with a real exciting game between Montreal and Calgary at yeah, that was a dandy game. You know, there was so much commentary last year about the games being dull and offenses being, the scoring being down. I really enjoyed that game last night. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot going on. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people had said that Calgary might challenge uh, Winnipeg in the West. I, I, To be honest, I know they won. I wasn't overly impressed with what happened with them last night. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of that in the first week. We'll see how the Bombers look tonight against this revamped Ottawa team. Should be fun. Uh, you know, obviously, you've got a unique uh, level of access in and around the club. I mean, what's the vibe around the building, both with the staff and maybe most importantly amongst the team? As uh, training camp's finished, the preseason's over, now it's time to get after it for real. You know, there's, uh, I, I'm tempted to say it's business as usual, but it's really, I mean, you and I have been around this team for a while, Hust. It's not really usual right now, is it? I mean. These are unprecedented times. I think there's an excitement. I think everybody's going about their business. They want to get the banner raising, unveiling done, and then get the, down to business, right? But I was thinking about this earlier, about we're kind of really in unprecedented times. There were so many years there for the Reinbold years and then, you know, the Mike Kelly years and when the stadium opened about how bad this football team was. 
And I think we should all, I mean, the bombers aren't going to do this because that's not their way, but I think we should all take a step back and really soak this up. You know, like 19 and one in your last 20 games at IG field team hasn't had a chance to re, uh, to ever to, to win three in a row. The last time the team won two in a row was 1961-62. Um, you know, the Bombers have the best home record in the mm. CFL since 2017. I think we should we should soak this up, you know, because there were a lot of days when we went to IG Field when it first opened up, and it was over at halftime for the other guys. 19-1 and one in the last 20. Who, who, what was the loss? It was to Hamilton uh, in October of... 2019 i think chris strebler started that game it was just after they had made the trade for zach caleros yeah so 19 and one it's the best stretch at home since 1983 to 86 when they went 27 and one including some playoff wins so like i keep saying it let's enjoy this man because this is fun stuff well you know what i couldn't agree more ed and and you know now that you bring it up i mean this may be a good time to talk about it because i think we'll get into the more the minutiae of the day-to-day and game-to-game throughout the season um, but we are embarking on a season uh, that, and you know, Michael Shea will say, hey, this is a new year. It's a new group. I mean, we know all that. That being said, the core, starting with the leader, Michael Shea, has the potential of doing something incredibly special and, and historic. I mean, it hadn't been done since the 80s and those great Eskimo teams with Warren Moon. And I'll say this. Mike O'Shea himself, and you talk about not wanting to talk about it or admit to it, he wouldn't do that at all. If this team can do what they did that many expect them to do, stay at the top of the league and win another championship. I mean, Mike O'Shea himself, never mind many of the stars on this team, I think propel themselves into a special pantheon, not of bomber history, but of Canadian Football League history. And again, he'd be embarrassed and wouldn't want to talk about it. But I mean, you know, the job that he and that entire staff has done um, has put them in a, in a position that I don't think even the most optimistic Bomber fan uh, walking this green earth could have imagined three or four years ago. No, you're right. I mean, I go back to 2016. I had just started at the club, and remember, Drew Willie was the quarterback to open the year, and the team was one and four, and there was all kinds of, uh, you know, people were clamoring to for Mike O'Shea to be fired, and Wade uh, pressed the pause button on that. I'm not sure how much he even considered it, but man, was that ever a good non-decision or a decision to stick with Mike because you can see things changing. Um, And then when they made the quarterback change to Matt Nichols, that started something, you know, Andrew Harris had come aboard that, that year and and helped change the culture around. You're right. uh, There's only two coaches in bomber history that have more wins than Mike O'Shea, and it's Bud Grant and Cal Murphy, and those two guys have statues out front of IG Field. So, you know, if if he wins another one here, as you said, it hasn't been done in this league since Edmonton won five in a row uh, from 78 to 82. There's only been two teams since then that had a chance to three-peat. The 97 Argos had won in 96 and 97, and then the Alouettes in 2009 and 2010. I did some research on this earlier in the week for a piece on our site. Uh, that Argo team in 97 that had a chance to three-peak 98 was just decimated by guys going to the NFL, including Doug Flutie. He went to the Buffalo Bills, and then I think uh, they had nine All-Stars and six had moved on, including a couple to the NFL. Mike Vanderjat, people will remember him, the idiot kicker, right, uh, that they <laughs> referred to. And then when Montreal won in 2010 uh, – 
remember they barely beat Saskatchewan in one great cup. That was the infamous 13th man. And then, and the next one, it was really close and they had been in a decline. So those two franchises were in different positions to, to try to repeat three peat than Winnipeg is right now. As you said earlier, this team has a lot of the key piece, pieces back and, it's just, again, I keep saying this, but there's a business as usual kind of vibe around there. And it, it's what Jake Thomas said earlier in the week. This this team just expects to win all the time. And that's a dramatic change from, say, five, six years ago. Well, for sure. And, you know, I see some people in the chat kind of comparing what the Bombers have done to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And obviously it's very different the way the teams are built. The sports are different. But we've seen from the Lightning with their backs against the wall, they are able to raise their level to do what needs to be done and get a win. I think about what the Bombers did in the Grey Cup. I mean, very similarly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, once you have that championship DNA amongst the group, there's a special level of experience, confidence that, um, you know, that's very difficult to overcome. And it just can't be manufactured. But the Bombers have that right now. Ed, you mentioned the players that are back. And, you know, we talk about Big Hill and Willie J. Of course, no Jackson Jeffcoat tonight, which could be a factor. But you've been around camp each and every day for folks that, you know, maybe didn't see the preseason or haven't paid too much attention. When they get to the park tonight, who are the new guys that might stand out? I mean, let's talk a little bit about the newcomers that have taken up a few important spots of some departed members of last year's championship team. Sure. Okay. Let's start on uh, offense. Jeff Gray, who people know will replace Drew Desjardins at left guard. So that, that seems to have already been a pretty seamless transition. Uh, Dalton Schoen is a, one of the new receivers. He was a walk-on at K-State. You know, he had a look from the L.A. Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's his hometown a few years ago. They really like him. He's he's quick. He, he, gets, he looks like kind of a, a, a rookie version of Greg Ellingson, who's the other new receiver in, in, this, uh, in this team. So those two guys are replacing Darvin Adams and Kenny Lawler. And, you know, the early signs are pretty good. We won't know until tonight what kind of chemistry they've developed with Zach Caleros, but it's looked pretty good at practice. And then on defense, you mentioned no Jackson Jeffcoat tonight. That does sting, but they've got a young guy named L.B. Mack third, who played at Rhode Island, came straight from college, and he's he's uh, like 6 feet 240, so he's a bit small for an end, especially compared to Willie Jefferson. But, man, he gets under tackles, and he just gets in the backfield in a hurry, so keep an eye on him. Uh, and then in the secondary, Taekwon Glass will replace DeAndre Alford, who went to the Atlanta Falcons. He's an experienced CFL guy with Edmonton and Montreal. You've got Malcolm Thompson at safety, replacing an injured uh, Brandon Alexander. And I'll tell you what, in the two preseason games, he was scary in how he lit up some people. So that could be a nice presence to have in the backfield as they try to uh, tread some water for a while until Brandon Alexander gets back. And then there's a new dime. So Alden Darby left in free agency. The Bombers thought they had the replacement in Mercy Maston, who was so important in 2019, but he blew his Achilles out in uh, training camp. And a new guy named Donald Rutledge Jr., big, big for a dime back, uh, but he can cover and he can bring the, the hits too. So that's another guy to keep an eye on. And, you know, that seems like an awful lot of change, but in this league, it really isn't because of the, you know, there's so many one-year contracts and free agency, such a carousel of talent moving around. To have that many returning pieces back besides those guys that I just mentioned is pretty impressive. 
Well, and, and, and I mean, we all knew coming into the season that Brandon Alexander would not be available at the beginning of the season. And the BA continues to rehab and bounce back. I know he's on the sixth game. Any idea what the expectations, maybe like, let's be optimistic. I mean, well, what would be a good scenario for the Bombers to get BA back in the lineup? But what sort of timelines are we talking here? Well, I haven't really heard anything. He was at practice yesterday, the walkthrough practice, and he was running sprints in the end zone. But I think they're going to be really careful with this. Um, yeah, I'm just going to uh, say that I'd be surprised if he played the first third of the season. I, you know, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we're talking about late August, early September, maybe even later, because they want to make sure this is right. And uh, and and Malcolm Thompson and, and Nick Hallett, the, they they like what they have there, and they can also move some pieces around if they have some struggles and maybe playing an American there. So they're going to be really careful with BA. He's there every day. They talk about his leadership and how he kind of pulls these guys along. Even the new guys are saying how impressed they've been with him. I know he's dying to get out there, but they're going to really, really be careful with this one. Uh, Eddie, uh, you mentioned Andrew Harris earlier. I mean, uh, no Mm -hmm. one will ever be able to uh, overstate his importance to this organization. Uh, I maintain it might be the most impactful free agent signing in Canadian history. That being said, he's not here anymore. And right. it's Brady Oliveira. It's Johnny Augustine in the backfield. Um, what have you seen from them so far with this new opportunity to sort of move up the depth chart? And how do you see things working on offense? Will it be Brady and mostly Brady and then mix in Johnny? Or will it maybe be some more of a two-headed monster? Or can we deduce anything from practice and preseason before we really get going when uh, the live bullets go tonight. Yeah, I would have said a couple weeks ago, especially after the first preseason game here, that it could be a a kind of a duo or a tandem out of the backfield. But uh, over the last few days in practice, uh, it's been mostly Brady getting a lot of the work. And so it could be that they're just going to go with one guy for a while. We've always talked about how a running back wants the touches. You know, sometimes guys think that they don't really get into a groove until they get 10, 12, 15 carries. And so if you're, you know, rotating in one running back for one series and then another one for the next, that might not be the best thing. They do like their depth there. Talked to Brady earlier this week. At the end of last year, he was 230 pounds. And he's always been seen as a north-south kind of guy that will uh, run over people. And he wants to still be that, but also be the kind of guy that can run away from people. So he's down to about 215 now, and he f- says he feels awesome. So he's had a really good camp. Um, and, and then to have Johnny Augustine with his gaudy average behind him, I think he averaged almost seven yards a carry last year. Uh, it's just, it is a really intriguing uh, option for these guys. There's not going to be a dramatic drop-off no matter who's in the backfield. And uh, I think the Bombers, because of their offensive line, are still going to pound the football. And, and th- that's just the way they, they they call it bully ball because of the way they control the line of scrimmage. And I think we're going to see a lot of that again. Well, I mean, for both of those young men, you couldn't be in a better situation behind those big guys right. up front to try to establish yourself as a go-to guy in the backfield in the Canadian Football League than right here in Winnipeg. Uh, Eddie, the kicking game last year was one of the real interesting topics. I mean... You know, and I know often it was the difference between winning by 24 and 19, uh, but we knew it would be something that would be impactful late in the year. And sure enough, it was. And Sergio Castillo, um, for many people's opinions, could have maybe been the most valuable player of the Grey Cup. How did Mark Leggio win the job? And uh, how do you think this uh, plays out? 
Yeah, you write about Castillo. He would have been my vote for MVP. That's not to take anything away from the, the rally that Zach Caleros led and him being selected. But Castillo was amazing that day with five field goals in those awful conditions. It was way windier than people thought. Um, you know, it, it's a good question about how did Mark Leggio win the job because I'm not sure that I have a clear answer. Uh, you know, this I don't think there was a, a noticeable difference between the two of them, uh, Mark and Ali Mortada in training camp. Um, Mortada did miss a convert in the one preseason game. They only tried one field goal in two preseason games, and it was only an 18-yarder. But I think that it's all about consistency at that position, right? And we saw the struggles that those guys had last year. Just every day in practice, I guess Mark just just was more consistent than uh, Ali Mortada. And Coach O'Shea said earlier this week that both of them were in the 85-90% range. Um, in their attempts during camp. So, that, you know, that's encouraging. But I've, we've talked about this before, Huss, when I've been on with you. This is a, this is going to be an ongoing issue. This is going to be under the microscope for the first, first few weeks of the season, right? Until a guy can get on a run and go for four for four one game, three for four the next, and, and just get on a roll, we're all going to be watching that one closely because I don't think we've seen a clear-cut answer yet. Eddie Tate of BlueBombers.com getting us ready for bomber season. And, of course, the home opener tonight. There are still tickets available. And now, remember, Willie Jefferson came on earlier. If you go to BlueBombers.com slash Willie, you can get your ticket. And uh, Willie will get your first cold one on him, and you'll be entered to uh, win an autographed jersey as well. So if you haven't counted yourself in, take a look outside. Realize that you've made a grave mistake, and hopefully we'll see it tonight <laughs> at IG Field. Eddie, what are we going to see on the other side of the football other than a familiar face in Paul Apolise? Um, We were comparing the depth charts of the Ottawa Red Blacks that we'll see tonight with the team that was at the bottom of last year, and it's almost unrecognizable. Yeah, and that's a good thing if you're an Ottawa Red Blacks fan, right? Because they were putrid last yeah. year. <laughs> good point. They were terrible. Uh, their new GM, Sean Burke, came over from Hamilton, and he deserves a lot of credit because... Um, you know, they could have tinkered here and there, added a piece like Jer Jeremiah Mazzoli, the quarterback in uh, just by himself would have made this team better, but they didn't stop there. You know, they added receivers. They're way better on the offensive line. They've added some big pieces in the secondary. Like they're so much better. I've seen some people uh, predict that they could win the East division, which seems crazy, even in this league. Uh, that you could go from three wins to, you know, winning the division. DT, um, the new voice of the Bombers, right. was on with us earlier this week and said, you know, he thinks the value on the board right now is Ottawa and that they very well could we. And just speaking to the parody in the East quickly, Ed, um, you know, usually the bookies know what they're doing because they're the ones putting the risk out. The win total in the East division for all four teams is either eight and a half games or nine and a half games, which tells me, unlike any recent season I can remember, the East is wide open, and there is not a team or two that we expect to just be brutal. Yeah. You know, if I was putting some money down, I'd still look at Hamilton because I, I just think the the world of what Orlando Steinauer has done there, and, they you know, they've added some pieces, too, that make them scary. I know Mazzoli's gone, but they have Dane Evans there. Toronto, I, McLeod Bethel-Thompson can throw hard. And he's kind of the question mark there, but they're better. Montreal looked pretty decent last night, and if Vernon Adams continues to have trouble throwing interceptions, then you're going to have uh, Trevor Harris coming off the bench. So that's pretty impressive. Ottawa is uh, Ottawa's interesting, and because you know Lapo is going to have a couple wrinkles, maybe a surprise or two tonight against the Bombers. 
Mike Benavides, their defensive coordinator, is really respected. And, and so basically what Sean Burke, the GM, did in the offseason was he, he looked at, he said, we've got a good coaching staff. They don't have any talent. So he went out and they, they really did a, a number on that roster and, and revamped it. And they're going to be fun this year. I just, uh, I think a lot of Bomber fans are hoping that they'll be 0-2 after the next two weeks and then they get things figured out in Ottawa. <laughs> no doubt. Um, when you look at the West, Certainly, if we just want to go by the the books, um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are the second team. But who do you think? I mean, listen, obviously everyone knows the Bombers are the favorites for the reason. Who do you think the biggest threat is? Who's that next team up in the uh, in the West, in your opinion, Ed? Uh, I would say still Saskatchewan. I, I mean, it's hard to bet against, a, you know, a John Huffnagel-led team in Calgary. Um but I, I didn't, you know, I know Bog, Levi Mitchell got banged up a little bit last night and was replaced by Jake Mayer, who led them to a win. And he's a really good up-and-coming quarterback. Uh, you know, they didn't they didn't overly impress me last night. They're still going to be good. I have, We haven't seen Saskatchewan other than in the preseason game, and they have some changes too. But uh, I like what they've done there. Edmonton's a mystery. Who knows? Chris Jones, such a mad scientist. They could be, I mean, they could be 10 and 8. They could be... You know, three and 15, it's hard to tell there. Although I will say um, that Nick Arbuckle, their quarterback, their starting quarterback, is the only quarterback to beat Winnipeg last year when they had their full lineup. So uh, that's I, I'm a fan of him, and I, I could could not understand why the shine came off his star in the last couple of years. So Edmonton's weird. And, and we see they put all their money in on, uh, on Nathan Work, but, uh, you know, their owner's done a nice job, uh, and they're going to have a big crowd for their game tomorrow. It's going to be wide open in the West, but I would still say Saskatchewan would be my number two. Well, and I'm with you. It's sort of the other topic that we've been hitting as we get into kickoff is the most intriguing teams. And it always seems to come back to those two teams that will be playing each other on the weekend in Edmonton mm-hmm. and BC. And, you know, Chris Jones is such a wild card. I mean, they have had some bizarre, uh, they've had some bizarre signings at times, but, you know, he's been a guy that understands great athletes and trying to put them in positions to succeed. Um, and then there's BC and BC has spent big money on a number of positions outside of quarterback. And you've got a Canadian tandem for the first time in, I mean, we're probably going back 40, 50 years, at least Ed in this, um, the BC itself is a team that, you know, I think has a lot of potential, but if they actually could be good, not only for the market and the work that they're doing, trying to reestablish that fan base, um, for Canadian football and Canadian football players, uh, I think there'll be a lot of people without any skin in the game hoping that Rourke and the BC Lions can be competitive this year for what that would mean for the growth of Canadian football at a grassroots level and certainly at U Sports. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that. Uh, Steve Daniel, the CFL statistician, had something. I don't have it in front of me, but I don't think there's ever been a one-two of Canadians at quarterback in this league dating back to when it officially became the Canadian Football League in 1958. So that's saying something. Cool. We're all going to be uh, cheering for him and Michael O'Connor. I thought both of them looked pretty good in the preseason. Uh, there's something about Nathan Work. I mean, we don't see him up close every day like the those guys on the West Coast do. Uh, but there's a lot of people that say, hey, this guy's good. This guy's going to do some things. They've got some really cool uh, – Players around them, you know, you think of Brian Burnham and Lucky Whitehead. I think they've shored up their offensive line a little bit. 
the cool story there is what their new owner has done. They're talking that they might have over 30,000 for that game tomorrow. Man, that would be so refreshing because there's been t- times when uh, you go to a game and if you're sitting in the press box and talking to the guy beside you, someone, you know, 10 rows down is asking you to be quiet because they, they can't hear, you know, it's just, it's so it's empty and you can, uh, your voice echoes through it. So if that market can get figured out and then Toronto could come around, man, uh, the, the CFL would be looking a lot better than it has been the last couple of years. Hey, you mentioned Toronto just quickly. I mean, uh, what do you expect from the Argos and especially Andrew Harris? I mean, I always joke that he has played like he's had a chip on his shoulder for his entire career. Um, you know, moving on from Winnipeg to a new spot, being well compensated. Um, but I don't know. I personally think that he's going to be playing every game to prove himself once again, like he was as a rookie with the British Columbia Lions. And I think there's still some gas in the tank in old 33. I agree 100%. You know, you think about he came to Winnipeg, he had a chip on his shoulder. And even with all his success, it seemed to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't think he could. He could get another chip, but the one he's got now being in Toronto might even be bigger than the one he had here. Uh, the one thing I'll say, and this is cliche, but they say that, you know, father time is undefeated and you don't see very many running backs his age that can take the pounding like he's going to get. Um, but he looks like he's in shape. Um, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I could see a scenario where it's like a few years ago when uh, Matt Nichols was the, the quarterback and the and Andrew Harris had over 100 receptions and good yardage i could see that the argos get back to that kind of scenario rather than pounding him into the line of scrimmage a lot he could have you know some decent rushing totals but a really uh, gaudy receiving numbers again too eddie always love having you on the program to uh talk about games that have happened or heading into this one just before we go uh, what do fans need to know whether they have tickets whether they're going to pick some up before the game i believe it's a 7 30 start and of course a banner beforehand princess auto tailgate beforehand anything else people need to know you're hitting on all the hot topics. Uh, us, uh, make sure you get there early. Remember, there's the $5 beers up till kickoff. So I know one of my sons is going there as early as he can get in the door for that. Uh, the banner unveiling, they say to be in your seats before 730. Uh, and then uh, let's go. Then it's the start of the season. And let's see what if Winnipeg can cover tonight. I know a lot of people are talking about that. And you were earlier too. No doubt about it. Uh, Eddie, thanks so much for doing this. Best of luck to the entire organization. And uh, hopefully we'll talk about a 1-0 team uh, getting back at it for another date with the Red Blacks next week. Appreciate it, Huss. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Thanks so much. Give him a follow on Twitter at EdTateWFC and check out all of Ed's great work every single day covering the Blue Bombers over at BlueBombers.com. We are going to get back to hockey. Lots of interesting things to tee up with our good friend Murata Tesh. Uh, but as I mentioned, bomber home opener tonight. Maybe you're thinking you need a little more blue for the uh, for the outfit. Head on down to Royal Sports this afternoon and get done up. Uh, new jerseys are in, hoodies, uh, sideline gear, and more, and a number of exclusive blue bomber back-to-back championship hats available as well. While you're at Royal Sports, though, you can check out their massive hockey section, the expanded soccer section, softball, baseball, bikes, fitness gear, and more. And, of course, the best selection of licensed merchandise for our local teams and teams around all the major sports, including international soccer. Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. 
Uh, well, there's going to be a few little brown jugs going down tonight. Don't forget to hydrate. When we're talking hydration, you know that Culligan have been the experts in the water game as a family-owned business for over 65 years here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Visit them down at 1200 Sargent Avenue or online at drinkculligan.com or give them a call at 694-5180. I know Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are fired up. They may have been fighting as to who's working those extended hours until 8 o'clock, because I know there's a lot of Bomber fans in the Manitoba Battery office. Whether you're hitting there tonight, on the weekend, or next week, during the week, ex extended spring hours, so you can... Take care of what you need to do battery-wise during the week to make the most of the weekend. And the bottom line is, if you need a battery for anything when it comes to a hot rod, a golf cart, a boats to do, whatever, Manitoba Battery has it all, and you'll save time and money as opposed to uh, wasting it with a trip to one of the big box stores like Costco and Canadian Tire. Manitoba Batteries at 1026 Logan Avenue, 783-8787, and you can check them out online at manitobabattery.com. And hey, just before we bring in um, Murata Tesh, we'll do a quick Breezy Bend leaderboard update from our national championship, the RBC Canadian Open. Of course, check out breezybend.ca for all the information about making Breezy your, your home for your, your golfing home for your family in the, in the future. Or talk to our good friend, Corey Johnson over at Breezy Bend about getting on that waiting list. Maddie Fitzpatrick is in the lead right now, tied with Wyndham Clark at seven under par. A, a group of three golfers, Alex Smalley, Charlie Hoff, and the Hoff with a big round today. Hoff's at five under. Keith Mitchell and Alex Smalley at six under. And a number of players at four under, including world number one, Scotty Scheffler, and my guy, Tony Finau. But uh, what everyone is around here, the chat's talking about, as well as Manitoba Golf, is our guy Aaron Cockrell came over from the European Tour making his PGA Tour debut. A two under 68 today. Cockrell's tied for 22nd and will be playing the weekend, making the cut in his first ever PGA Tour event. All right, let's get to some hockey and welcome in Murata Tesh of The Athletic as we get ready for the weekend. What's going on? How are you? Hey, Huss. I'm doing well. Getting ready for a, a solid Friday in, in my world. How are, how are things? This is a weird slot for me. I feel casual. Like, this is the casual Friday hey, day. you know what? Me. Perfect. You can hang around. We'll give you a marble in the marble race at the end, and uh, we'll have some fun. <laughs> Listen, I'm great. I Although, we may have um, made your job a little more boring over uh, the next little while earlier today, Marat, because, you know, we've known there's a lot of talk about, you know, Barry Trotz and making his decisions. I think I and our friends at Little Brown Jug have come in as the closers on this. We made the official announcement today that if Barry will come back to Manitoba, he is getting free beer for life and and a beer named after the coach. We're working on a few. There's the Trots Homecoming Lager, uh, the Trots Prairie Pilsner, the Trots Dauphin Draft. He can figure out whatever the heck he wants to call it. Well, the experts at Little Brown Jug will make it happen. But I mean, listen, I don't know how a good Manitoba guy could overlook the opportunity to come back, turn a team around in his home province, and have free beer for life and his own beer from our favorites over at Little Brown Jug. I mean, I love it. Barry's Brew, right? Like, yes, there's another one. Is, <laughs> Barry's Brew. I, 
I love every bit of this. I'm here for it. I'll I'll buy a case. Um, what can I say though? Like, I am a little upset that you didn't rope me in to write like some sort of release or an announcement. You know, the athletic exclusive. We could do some sponsorship thing. <laughs> I could get a case or two sent my way. It's breaking news right now. Feel free to run with it. You're the first guy we've talked about. It just sort of dropped that on the show today. Um, but it, jokes aside, uh, and that's not a joke, by the way, Barry, if you're watching, the beer fridge will be full for eternity, and it can have your face on it as well. And wouldn't that be nice to be cracking a few of those after some big wins downtown? Um, that being said, it is somewhat quiet, and it sure does sound, you know, hearing people around the league, that Barry Trot still holds all the cards, and... Uh, you know, we've added Bruce Cassidy to the coaching um, carousel available. Certainly sounds like he wants to coach. Uh, but everything is somewhat in limbo, Mariah. Are you surprised that at least one or two teams haven't moved forward and got their guy yet? You know, it's interesting. I guess the idea is that Barry Trotz does, in fact, hold the cards and is the number one free agent for so many people, right? This isn't something we've made up as Manitobans that – this Dauphin Kings hero can come back. There'll be a there'll be a homecoming. There'll be Barry's brew. All of that. We didn't invent the idea of Barry Trotz as a great coach, and I think that he's seen that way by a lot of folks. Um, and it seems that he is, honest to goodness, taking time. And um, what I perceive from that sort of thing, from that side of things, pardon me, is that he's going to keep taking time. That Barry Trotz, when it comes to you know talking about offers, term, money, locations, finalizing decisions, I still think it's too soon for that. And that's what I was starting to hear in and around last weekend, which coincidentally was the same time I was starting to hear Winnipeg sort of leaking in, in certain ways, or at least this per, perception that Winnipeg was leaking to, to teams and, and other folks that um, that maybe it wasn't barrier bust, that maybe there were other options that they would be considering. Same night, Saturday night last last week, Elliot Friedman mentions Jim Montgomery as somebody who uh, Winnipeg might reach out to. And, you know, I, I have sources confirming that that's a, a pretty high priority item for Winnipeg, that that's somebody that um, that Winnipeg feels very strongly about or feels good about. Um, and then I, I believe that Jim likes Winnipeg as well. I think that his relationship from the 1999-2000 Moose, as much as it's a joke he was here for one season, well, he met some important people and has been able to build some key relationships from that time to now. So I don't think that that's smoke. I think that there is some genuine some genuine possibility that it's not Barry Trotz and that Winnipeg is beginning to broaden things out as a response to exactly what you said, this sort of quiet, nothing's happening, no shoe is dropping sort of landscape. Of course, that was all before we offered Barry Trotz free beer for life and his own beer. With yeah, yeah, listen. I mean, I think we've come in on a Friday afternoon as the closers today, Marat, trying to get this thing done going forward. What do you make of Cassidy uh, as a coach? How uh, surprised were you? I was stunned that he was let go, and I think there's maybe some more things behind the scenes going on in Boston that maybe will come out later on in the summer. But um, where does Cassidy uh, stand amongst your power pole behind Barry Trotz for you know any of the coaching vacancies for that matter? For me, he's right there with Montgomery as somebody with a lot of ability and maybe because of, you know, his track record with Boston, maybe it would be more appealing to certain folks. Um, I've done a lot of reading on Butch Cassidy in the last, Bruce Cassidy, pardon me, in the last, um, in the last week or so. And there are some excellent pieces by Fluto Shinzawa at The Athletic from the moment he was fired to actually preceding in the weeks leading up to it as well 
he had sort of got onto the idea that there was a disagreement of some kind between Sweeney and Cassidy in the Boston organization, that there was a differing philosophy about how that team should create its offense, how it should defend, how it should get to the middle of the ice. And there are so many good articles at the Athletics Boston section about their difference in philosophy. Cassidy, they both come off as, as you know, Don Sweeney and, and Bruce Cassidy come off both as very intelligent and both articulating their points of view very well. But for me, Cassidy's preaching this modern game of quick transition from the defense, of an active blue line, of a real defending by not necessarily needing to spend as much time in your own zone philosophy. You can go to the metrics. Boston gave up, you know, within the bottom few expected goals against uh, every single season for the last three, I think it is. They've been excellent defenders. They've had a few different ideas for ways to attack. The one issue is that there's this perception in Boston that they didn't get to the interior of the ice as well as they needed to against the Carolina Hurricanes in the playoffs. And then the question goes into why. And it seems management and ownership are are thinking that the idea is Boston didn't go low to high enough. They didn't work it down low, get it to the point, crash the net, get those point shots. And it seems like Cassidy has other ideas for that. I think he has a, a more creative way to approach offense. And that's appealing to me. There's a lot of the same caveats about him. You know, he admits to giving the veterans in that dressing room a, a, a longer rope. And he admits that that was something he thought that they earned by virtue of their championships and deep playoff runs in years past. Um, so that would be probably a concern to Winnipeg fans hearing that. But uh, everything he I can find him quoted as saying about how a team should play hockey uh, you know, really rings a bell for me, really works for me. I, I like his approach to the game. You know, we were we were talking about this with Ruwiki yesterday on the program, and he actually had the funniest line. Uh, he said, I'm not even sure that they need an interview because Bruce Cassidy basically told the Jets what was wrong with them when the Boston Bruins were here earlier this year. Remember talking about how easy it was to get to the front of the net and all those things. Um, he is an interesting, uh, you know, a, a, an interesting um, candidate um, for a number of the jobs. And listen, another one of those names that we did not expect to um, that we did not expect to hear about. Other names, and we heard Elliot Friedman today talking about, you know, some of the other guys that you know have maybe said Randy Carlisle probably not getting an interview, but Pascal Vincent's very interesting, and it's quite clear that this organization thought incredibly highly of Pascal, the job that he did both as an assistant and then as a head coach for the Manitoba Moose. I do wonder, though, is this team at this point where they're at with the current roster they have, can that team handle what will essentially be a rookie head coach? Or do we think that this unit needs a guy like a Cassidy or obviously a Barry Trotz that comes in with a pedigree, a track record, a proven level of respect, having done it already in the NHL? I think that that is a very important consideration for the Winnipeg Jets as we know them today. I think that, you know, we talk about systems, philosophy, ideas, the ability to solve hockey problems. All of those things are vital. All of those things I think Winnipeg has room to grow in. And I think that that's what would be exciting about a fresh-faced rookie coach or, or some of these other candidates, whether it's, Cassidy Montgomery. I, I, I think Mon- Montgomery as well. I, I, I've written about him, so there. I, I'm going to keep going back to that name. But Barry Trotz, of course. The there are reasons uh, that Winnipeg needs improvement, and 
Then you get to that problem that you mentioned, and it's this idea that not only do those hockey-solving ideas have to exist, those problem-solving, the set plays, the preparation, all of that sort of stuff, but that human being needs to be able to walk into that room and have a, either be able to earn respect very quickly, build, generate buy-in very quickly, or have it as he enters that space. And to a lot of folks in that Jets dressing room, who even ones who admire Vincent very deeply, I imagine, you know, he is the former Manitoba Moose head coach. He is the former Winnipeg Jets assistant coach. And there's a thoughtfulness about him, which leads to great ideas, but which may make his ability to walk into that room and, and command it or, uh, or earn that respect immediately. That might be a challenge. I think that, you know, I share your concern in that front. And as much as I admire Pascal Vincent, the few conversations I've had with him, gosh, if I, I, I think he's such a smart, uh, philosophical, deep thinking person. And I, and I value those skill sets as well. Um, I, I wonder about his fit for, for Winnipeg at this stage. For me, it would feel so much like, you know, you could drop a fishing line into every river, lake, pool, ocean in the universe. And then you're, you're really just sticking to that pond in the backyard. And, and, and that connotation wouldn't be as strong of a move for me if I were Winnipeg. Well, again, we're probably wasting our time right now because I think we've successfully closed the deal today with the uh, with the beer offer from our friends at Little Brown Jug. But, well, for the sake of conversation, we'll stay on this <laughs> until anything becomes official. The other thing, that uh, this was perfect timing with you coming on the program today. And, folks, if you haven't read this already, get over to The Athletic and make sure you're subscribed for all of Marat's great content and the rest of The Athletic team you leaned on some of the athletic team in other areas to talk about what a potential return for Mark Shifley might look like. Uh, fill us in on how this was put together, and then we'll kind of talk about some of the, the teams that might be interested. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think it was the last time I was on this show. I sort of was like, hey, one of the ideas I have is to explore Mark Shifley potential trade returns. You said, yes, do it. Um, people listening said, yes, do it. And uh, so I, I went ahead with that. Traditionally, what would happen in this situation, and I've done this with Andrew Kopp, I did this with Jacob Truba a couple years ago, you know, you look at comparable people who have been traded in recent seasons um, with similar production levels, experience, contracts, you come together with uh, a sense of what you think that that player is worth on the, on the market. I think I did a pretty good job with Andrew Kopp, and I think I did a really good job with Jacob Truba if I go back to 2019 and, and the line in the sand for what Winnipeg could get back for him. Mark Shifley such an interesting situation where, you know, with Kopp and Truba, we, we knew, um, or at least I feel comfortable saying we knew, that that trade was coming. In Shifley's case, I still think that I'm open to the possibility that he doesn't get traded and he's part of the Jets next year. It's still important to talk about. So... I want to read to you um, kind of the, the, the pitch. I, I reached out to a whole bunch of different writers at The Athletic with teams that have cap space, that have talked about looking for offense. Um, and I said, I've taken a first go at estimating trade value for Mark Shifley, completely open to being told that I'm wrong. You know, here is vitals. I go into Shifley's contract, two years left on it, just turned 29 years old, point per game for six straight seasons. Yes, there are defensive flybys. Um, in some cases, I compared him to a poor man's Jonathan Huberto, where the offense is phenomenal and the defense leaves you wanting more. Um, I suspect a good situation and a, or a coaching change or a change of scenery could help him. And then I come up with a list of trade types that I think Winnipeg 
would would enjoy would benefit from and if you're willing to hear me out i got five models one shifley for a first round pick and two a type prospects and that one reminds me of claude Giroux being traded at the trade deadline um shifley obviously has more term left on his contract it's not the trade deadline though and, and so i thought that was a reasonable start shifley for a first round pick and an early 20s player who could project as a second line center or, or moving forward from there same deal a first round pick or somebody who could serve as a top four defenseman with room for growth um an established top 4d like uh, an ivan provorov for example um and also a shifley for shifley a situation where maybe there's someone else in another market with two years left on their deal but it's a good deal they're a productive player all of that sort of stuff and these are the types of things that I personally thought would be good jumping off points for trade conversations and what Winnipeg could get. And what I found was that a lot of people, at least the writers around the league, are really cautious at two years left of a 29-year-old center known only for off or primarily for offense. And if you read the piece, I was a bit humbled and, uh, and disappointed, I would say, by the trade returns thrown around for Mark Shifley. No, I, uh, I, I mean, I saw the way you prefaced it <clears throat> before people went and started to read it. So we were sort of prepared. Um, and I'll say this. I think we always at times somewhat overvalue what we see on a daily basis. And I don't think that's unique here. I would say the same thing in all the other markets. So when you're having these conversations, everyone is beginning from a position, not necessarily in the middle, uh, but either on one side or the other. And the art of making a deal and the general managers are kind of getting to that spot that probably is a little bit more different. But what was the feedback? I mean, is it, uh, have we overestimated Shifley's value in the National Hockey League just based on his points? Um, is there a reputation that's been damaged that has hampered his value? Um, I, I'm interested in these, the feedback before we get to actually what was in these quote-unquote offers as to uh, what the word outside of Winnipeg is on Mark Shifley. And, I mean, are they trading him at a low or does the production and the contract out, uh, outdo anything that might be negative or risk when it comes to uh, 55? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because, you know, at Shifley's contract, 6.125, he can score like he does and give back defensively, and he's still a valuable player. And I want that to be clear as well from my perspective. But going around the league and talking to folks, um, I do think that there's a little bit of a leaning on recent history, and certainly their viewings of Shifley over the last couple of years during the regular season, the defensive effort and impact hasn't been there. Um, and I think that folks are leaning on that pretty heavily, and maybe not looking back to that 20-point 14 goal season or playoff round that he had in 2017 18 during Winnipeg's run of the Western Conference final, maybe not valuing the offensive production, which is very real as well. The coldest, iciest thing that I, re I received in response to, hey, we got a top, sh top Shifley, a top center, pardon me, on the market um, who would be interested in that. One response who I won't attribute said, well, hey, if we acquire Mark Shifley, won't we still need a top center? And there were people who agreed with that perspective that the shine has really come off and the defensive misgivings have really sort of taken over in some people's perspectives. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, that, you know, there are reasons to think his value isn't astronomical. 
29 years old. His next contract will be well into his 30s. He'll probably be looking to get paid. Most of his value comes in points. There are defensive issues, all that sort of stuff. But I also think it's important not to get too carried away with that because guys who can play the kind of minutes that he has and who have put up a point per game over six consecutive seasons, still doing it, even in a so-called disappointing offensive season, he crossed the point per game threshold. There are a lot of reasons to think that somewhere in this league, there are multiple general managers who value him more than perhaps my colleagues did in today's piece, or it's on me and I'm the one getting this wrong and Shively's not worth as much as I think he is. Um, okay, let's get back to the way you laid out the potential types of returns for the Winnipeg Jets. In your opinion, if you're Kevin Dayoff, which one of those scenarios is best for the Winnipeg Jets in their current situation? Is it leaning more on futures and getting another first-round pick or... You know, are you looking for maybe a one for one or a one for two of not prospects, not the future, but guys you can hopefully come in and, you know, maybe in a different way than Mark Shifley was, but help the Winnipeg Jets win games and be better in the areas that they think they need to improve it. Look, if the plan is to win now, which I believe that it is, like let's say Shifley gets traded and Dubois in the fold, there have been no issues. Perhaps there's even a long term contract there, right? The, this is an important consideration is that Shifley doesn't exist in a vacuum. There's team building. But if this team is trying to be com- competitive and trading Mark Shifley, they need a center. They absolutely need a center, not a prospect, not a maybe, not a third line who could be a second line someday. But they need, a you know, if not a 1B type, somebody who can fill that second line role. Now, does that come specifically as part of the trade return? Does that come uh, somehow on the free agent market or what have you? I'm not sure, but they can't go into next season with Cole Perfetti as their second line center without an upgrade at wing to make that whole thing work. Um, or Adam Lowry or David Gustafson, or um, you could go through the various options that that have played center for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, so they would need that help. So my, my perspective is the easiest in quotes, because it's not easy, uh, trade return that works for the Winnipeg Jets if they're trying to compete is built around an early 20s established NHL player who isn't as good as Shifley but can fill that second line role and perhaps grow a little from there plus futures of some kind because on one in a one for one situation I would hold Shifley's value as greater than that. Um, you can look at the same type of model involving a defenseman. But Winnipeg has so many defensemen that they're already in that situation. Sure, they could take the upgrade, but then that necessitates a second trade or some other wheeling and dealing. I really think that if there's some type of, of center acquisition plus futures, that's how you survive a Shifley trade for the time being and still try to win. What do you think the likelihood, if they do get some sort of a deal, that it's bigger than just Mark Shifley? Um, you know, we spent, and you just referred to it. I mean, you know, you could bring another defenseman back in a trade, but that just makes a crowded blue line even more crowded, especially with all the young defensemen that are sort of knocking on the door, some that will not be waivers exempt, which create a real problem if you want to keep all those guys. Um, You know, might the Winnipeg Jets use the Shifley chip to get what they want, but also potentially kill two birds with one stone and uh, maybe move a defenseman in that deal as well? You know, that's one thing that I wonder about. And in speaking with Ian Mendez at Ottawa, um, he suggested the same thing. You know, what if there's a way to, you know, in his case, bring back Dylan DeMello, who I think that a lot of folks are realizing how 
how valuable he was to Ottawa. Winnipeg did great to pick up DeMello for a third and extend him. And now he's playing, you know, essentially top pair minutes with Josh Morrissey uh, at even strength at the very least. And that's an important role. Um, you know, from Winnipeg's perspective, you're probably hoping to clear cap space somehow. Well, DeMello is a viable option, perhaps, but maybe it's Nate Schmidt. Maybe it's Brendan Dillon. I'm not sure. Those are ways to, to move a veteran in that same sort of move. And maybe that allows another team to be to consider giving up more in terms of assets. The only thing is, I don't know that, you know, strictly in terms of, you know, how sexy of an acquisition it is because the offense isn't there. I don't know that a DeMello, a Brendan Dillon, or a Nate Schmidt um, really substantially add to the trade return that Winnipeg's getting. It would be more about, you know, clearing space, and then perhaps Winnipeg ends up with, you know, another veteran forward who can help but is not paid how is maybe paid too much or is maybe not that impactful of a player. Like I just can't see that being the, the deal breaker in a, in a trade from, from where I sit today. Murata Tesh of the athletic is with us here on Winnipeg sports talk daily. We're discussing his latest piece in the athletic on a potential Mark Shifley. Where could the jets trade Mark Shifley five potential destinations of the five, which was the most attractive return from your colleagues, the one that would make you consider, yeah, maybe this is a deal that would help the Winnipeg Jets, and I'm in. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's three that I don't think that I would consider at all were I Winnipeg. I'd hold on to Mark Shifley without batting an eyelash. There's one from Pittsburgh that I begin to think about, but in terms of sincerely evaluating this and looking at it as a possible moving forward perspective is what Charlie O'Connor suggested from Philadelphia. And that's something built around Ivan Provorov. And, you know, that would be a player who has played top pairing minutes in Philadelphia. And yeah, he gets, you know, he's had trouble with that a little bit, but as a top four defenseman, he's had success. He's 25 years old. Um, he has three years remaining on a solid contract. I think it's 6.75 million. If I remember what Charlie wrote, um, and there you have a need to make a secondary trade to move a defenseman. But Provorov is the goods in a lot of ways. There's a top four defenseman there. Same with Travis Sanheim, if he's the, uh, the centerpiece of that. And then Charlie talks about other types of futures or, uh, or situations that could help make that work. But I just value uh, Philadelphia's quality and diversity of assets and the fact that they're genuinely trying to sort of rebuild on the fly over there, that there's... If there's something that's going to fit, the Flyers sound like a fit, and Provorov was was a particularly appealing piece for me. Um, if the Winnipeg Jets are, and, and listen, many people have different opinions on this. I still haven't really moved off the fact that there are some significant changes that need to be made amongst the leadership group, the culture of this team, and you know, he, for a number of reasons, is a guy that I think is at the top of the list trading also because of the return. If the current return, if a deal like we just talked about isn't there, and the deals that we're talking about is a couple of prospects and a first-round pick. If they did do that, what does that mean for the rest of the offseason? We already know that Paul Stastny is going to make sure that he's available to pick up the phone from all NHL teams on, I believe, the 13th when free agency starts. Um, like, big picture, long-term, some of those things could absolutely help you. But if they do make a trade like that, how do they go into next season without having at least in the meantime, when you're when that deal is made, having a successor to maybe not score. I mean, I highly doubt you'll have someone that'll come in and score at that level, um, but play important minutes in the top six and, you know, not have too much of a drop-off overall for the club, even if you might not be scoring as many goals. 
Yeah, it becomes an immediate hole. And, you know, for all of my criticisms of Shifley's defensive impact, um, you know, based on the contract, based on the production, that's an important player. And you miss his offense the day that it leaves. You absolutely do. And there aren't immediately viable backfilling options on the Winnipeg Jets. Like, are are they counting on in that scenario that we're, you know, sort of just talking through, would they be counting on Cole Perfetti to, in his first full season, not only stay healthy, but ha- produce offense and play in the middle as opposed to, to the wing or some sort of slower transition into a top six role? Man, that sounds like a tough ask. That sounds like too much of an ask if, uh, if you're looking for my opinion on that. So then you probably look to the free agent market if you can find a stopgap of some form. Um, you look to other transactions or trades. Because Pierre-Luc Dubois, you can see as a viable top center of the top two, but you need another one. Other than that, you know, you're, you're looking at, okay, then you're also trading Dubois and you're trading Hellebuck and you're thinking about a, a rebuild in full. Um, I, I don't know. If, if the trade return is that low... I think maybe Winnipeg holds on to Mark Shifley as best as it can, stomachs that, and if things don't heal, if the leadership group does need a change, if the results aren't there, things are toxic in some way, then the trade deadline may be a place to to get that type of returner uh, or, or something to that effect. The one thing I don't believe, and I feel like is important to say, I don't think there's a point of no return that has been reached. I do think that there's stress. I just don't think this is impossible to walk back. Yes, Shifley has made his opinions known. Yes, I believe their exit interview was probably tense. Uh, but I don't think that it's impossible that he returns either. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, uh, anything's possible, as we've seen before. And, you know, for a team that, you know, has decided to stick to the guns. And it was interesting in Wyshynski's report earlier today, um, you know, speaking about Paul Maurice leaving there was sort of a, a, a weird a, a weird statement. I still don't know exactly. Let me just pull it up right here, uh, because it was very it was very interesting, and I didn't know how to take it. Um, but here it was. So Paul Maurice was smartly walked away from the Winnipeg Jets last season. One because it was clear he could use a refresh after a couple taxing seasons to end a nine year run with the franchise, but also in his words, he'd gotten everything he could out of that roster. Here's the line that was interesting. I've had a couple of sources tell me there's a stubbornness on the part of management to adapt from the veteran core of that team. So he likely got out when the getting was good. I don't know exactly what that means to adapt from the veteran core. I mean, I guess maybe it's to move on from the veteran core, which I think certainly we would agree considering the pattern of this team for a long time. All that being said, though, Murad, I still have the feeling that last season, the way that went, what happened around the club, and the pattern really from the middle of the 2019 season has pushed them into maybe not it being, it's obviously not a done deal, and it's not something that 100% will happen, but probably more likely than not for a number of the reasons that we've talked about today and really over the course of the last six months. Yeah, and I, I buy that. If I'm leaning a direction, that's it's a direction that makes more sense to me. And I, I, of course, don't know what um, uh, it was. Sorry, that was Greg's piece. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Wyshynski. Okay, so I, I don't necessarily know exactly what Wyshynski meant by that. But at the same time, it's easy for me to think about the Winnipeg Jets organization and, and sort of what's worked over the last little while. And, you know, Blake Wheeler staying through the prime of his career um, in Winnipeg, making five point whatever it was for so long. Um, helping sustain uh, a really long sort of, well, I mean, an, 
a window to win, that deep playoff run, the Wheeler's ability to stay here, become a part of the city, value the city, um, be admired by coaching management, all those sorts of things, I think offered a certain sense of stability. Mark Shifley as well, I believe he's close to, to Mark Chipman and, and company and, and really admired by, that, by them. Uh, I believe these are good people, good human beings we're talking about, and I think that's important to Jets' ownership and management. Um, I think that there's this sense that, like, I would believe if, if ownership and management were attached to these guys. Uh, I, I really would. Um, and so maybe, there, maybe there's a little bit of that that's that's the implication. That's kind of where my, my where my brain goes with it. And one of the reasons I go there is in the one on one I had with Mark Chipman last fall. Um, I reference this often. You know, it's the same place where he said he doesn't believe in a shelf life for coaches. He believes in uh, continuity. He spoke really highly of every single coach that had gone through Jets or Moose doors, like Scott Arneal, like Pascal Vincent, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things that he also suggested was that one of the reasons that they loved Paul Maurice was the stability from a leadership point of view that he was able to create at the top, including Blake and Blake Wheeler, that is. And I think that there's a sense that that these guys are important foundational ambassador-type pieces to the Jets and the way they see themselves. And then when the problem with that becomes when what they're doing on the ice isn't matching the contract or the stage of the career, or if there's conflict or if there's a reason to, to consider moving on from them. And yet they're an entrenched part of the cultural core. It works when they're driving results, winning everybody celebrating all of the time. And now I think we're at an inflection point where those things aren't necessarily true, but the people are still valued. And I would believe the implication, I guess, is what I'm saying without knowing the behind the scenes of what went into typing those words. No, it's a great point. Murat, this has been an awesome conversation. Thanks so much for doing this, folks. If you haven't already, get over to theathletic.com and check out Murat's latest piece, and you can dive into uh, all of the potential returns for Mark Shifley and that you can be the judge as to what makes sense. Murat, have a great one, an awesome weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up next week. Cheers, man. Cheers to Barry's Bruce. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there it is. Murat Atesh of The Athletic at WPG Murat. And, uh, of course, you can read all of his work over The Athletic. We're going to get back to uh, a little three-down football. Bombers, Red Blacks tonight with AJ Jakobek. Before we do that, cannot wait to get out to the game tonight. We'll be there with the Not Gang. Of course, Not Autocorp, proud sponsors or proud supporters of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, the spot where... You should be starting your search if you're looking for a new whip this summer. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Check out all the Teslas on the lot. Talk to them about the Tesla Experience Program. And if there's a special make and model you're looking for, the Knot experts will help you find it, secure it, and get it here at the best possible price. Knot Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at knot.ca. Of course, great weekend for some little brown jugs. We've already said we're trying to close the deal on Barry Trotz, free beer for life, and a Trotz beer named after the hopefully new head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll keep working on that, but you, of course, can get the great taste of little brown jug, including the summer variety pack at your favorite beer store, Liquor Mart, or at the taproom down on William Avenue. And if you, of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Don't forget, Princess Auto Tailgate Party's going to get going. 
before the game tonight. Maybe get down there a little earlier. Have a couple in the tailgate zone. DJ Finesse will be spinning. Then get to your seat in time for 7.30 when that banner is raised. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. They're at Panet Road and Portage West. And of course, you can also shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. And hey, if you're looking for a great spot to watch the game, if you're not able to get out, no better spot than Boston Pizza. Chow down on those gourmet pizzas, famous Boston wings and ice cold schooners. And if you're staying home with the fam, get the great taste of BP on delivery. Check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's welcome in the voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks here in the peg ready to kick off the season. Our good friend, AJ Jackaback from TSN in Ottawa is here. AJ, what's up? How are you, man? Doing great. Great to be with you and uh, great to be in the peg. Beautiful, beautiful couple of days here. So uh, fired up for some football here tonight. Yeah, well, dude, uh, we have not had very many days like this over the course of the last number of months, so we will certainly take it. And I think the fact that it's frankly the nicest day in months around these parts is going to add to what should be a great atmosphere tonight at IG Field. We spent a good amount of time earlier in the program talking about the way the Bombers are looking, coming in, trying to win a third straight Grey Cup. Um you need a lot longer to talk about the off-season changes with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, you've done this for a long time. Have you ever seen this sort of turnover from season to season of a CFL team that we'll be seeing tonight with Lapo's new crew for 2022? Uh, probably not on one side of the ball, and that side of the ball is on offense. Uh, I think uh, some people are overlooking the fact that there are a lot of returners on defense and, and even special teams Nine of the 12 uh, starters tonight were here last year on defense and and certainly a lot of key special teams players from Richie Leone to Lewis Ward, Antoine Pruno. Uh, no Devontae Deadman, unfortunately, is he's with the Miami Dolphins and well-deserved uh, that he made the move after uh, three return touchdowns last season. But on offense, yeah, it's uh, completely different. Uh, fans, uh, you know, next week when these two teams go at it again in Ottawa are definitely going to need a program on that side of the ball, just two returning starters. And one of those is the right tackle, Dino Boyd, who started three games last year. So uh, the other being Nate Bahar. So it's uh, a lot of new faces on offense, new quarterback in Jeremiah Masoli, uh, new running backs, uh, you know, probably by committee. William Powell is hurt, but we'll see uh, a lot of Jackson Bennett tonight, along with Devontae Williams, who was on Winnipeg's practice roster last year and is making his first CFL start. And then, yeah, when you look at uh, the receivers in the O-line from Darvin Adams to Jalen Acklin uh, to Justin Hardy, who played five years with the Falcons, four new offensive linemen, um, a lot of changes for sure, but necessary because Ottawa was only the sixth team in Canadian football history that didn't average one offensive touchdown a game last year. They're, they fell a little bit short, 13 and 14 games, but um, bad offense in 2019, bad offense in 2021. Uh, that sat it up to just six wins over the course of the last two seasons. So uh, certainly that side of the ball in particular is needed up. An upgrade and an overhaul, and I think uh, they got it in the offseason. Well, you knew Lapo wasn't having that. I mean, he uh, offense is his calling card, and I mean, that was a real tough stretch, and we sort of knew with the personnel that they were up against it last season. You mentioned all those uh, all those changes, and there's some real talent on the offensive side of the football. And now you got a quarterback in Jeremiah Masoli. Uh, tell us about his time in Ottawa, how he's looked, and the expectations for the new uh, the QB1. 
Yeah, I think first and foremost, he seems comfortable in the role because the role of starting quarterback, you know, it doesn't matter in college and in, in the CFL and the NFL, wherever. It, it's more than just going out and, and throwing passes and and calling plays. You you are the de facto captain of the team and certainly the de facto captain of the offense. And I think he feels comfortable in that role, comfortable in terms of all the you know dealings he's had in the community because he is the face of the franchise. So that that's off to a great start. I think, uh, you know, watching practice, watching training camp certainly uh, doesn't, doesn't seem like he's not on the same page. Now that can change tonight. It's, it's really, you know, bullets flying for the first time for real because it, it's always different. Uh, teams are kind of running things vanilla in preseason, but in preseason, I, I thought, you know, looked pretty good and, and had pretty good rapport right away with Jalen Acklin, which is to be expected because they both came over from Hamilton. I think it helps that the center is Darius Cat. So there is that little bit of familiarity. But, yeah, I, I think uh, so far so good on that front. The, the biggest thing for me, I mean, the quarterback, most important position. But last year, whoever was under center didn't even have a chance because the old line was just – it, it was a struggle and they had some good pieces on the offensive line, but they couldn't stay healthy. And even when they did, the, there just wasn't enough time for the quarterbacks to, to do what they wanted to do. So I think, uh, you know, if the old line can hold up and this is as good a test as you'll see, right? I mean, the bombers defensive line, I get, they're not going to have Jack Jackson, Jeff Coat tonight. So that's a big loss, but they still have Willie Jefferson. They still have, you know, Adam big Hill in the middle. Um, th this is still going to be a, a, a real big test the O-line and I think if they pass that test here tonight that, that's a positive sign going forward for the group. AJ Jakobek play-by-play voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks who are taking on the Bombers tonight 7 30 p.m. at IG Field with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's the vibe like in and around the uh the fan base? Um, they've been supported very well despite how ugly these last couple seasons were. I'd imagine there's a lot of optimism. What are the expectations and what are you hearing from the Ottawa fans as we get into the season tonight? Yeah, it's funny. I see around the league and, and there's various people picking Ottawa to win the East, right? And I think from a fan base perspective, it's not like the pressure is that high to you know, look. That would be a bonus. It's not out of the question. Uh, I think the team should absolutely shoot for that to get to the Grey Cup. That's what you're supposed to do every year. And they showed in 2015. I mean, they had two-win team in, in 2014. And they showed that you can turn things around quickly over the course of one off season. But in terms of the fans, honestly, when I talked to them after the last couple of seasons, especially with how poor it's been offensively, they just want some entertainment, a competitive team and some touchdowns. So if, if this team ends up eight and 10, I'm sure, you know, there'll be some disappointment, but if they're eight and 10 and the offense is good and they're scoring touchdowns and they're competitive every night, honestly, I think it'll be a step in the right direction. So well, we'll we'll see how it goes, but uh, you know certainly I like the fact that internally they've got big expectations. They believe that this is a team that can do some damage. And you know, in terms of the buzz, I think everyone's kind of struggling a little bit in this country. There's still a little bit of a sense of you know in, in a lot of different markets that people are still kind of dipping the done as much post pandemic, and so a lot of crowds across Canada and various sports have been a little bit lower than normal. And that's certainly something that needs to be overcome. But I, I do think that there is some buzz again. And if they can get off to a good start, boy, even if they got a split 
in these first two games against Winnipeg, that would go a long ways to saying, okay, uh, the, the fan base would know that this team is for real and this team is, has made the necessary improvement. What, uh, how's our buddy Lapo doing? Uh, in a second full camp, obviously expectations are higher. He's got a lot of guys that I think he really wanted to be there. I mean, uh, what's he saying uh, heading into uh, this first game against uh, all his old pals on the other side of the field? Yeah, I think honestly, uh, seems, uh, you know, a little more relaxed than last year. I, I, I sense personally a little bit of tension between Marcel Desjardins and, and, Paul LaPolice and you know unfortunately that uh, didn't work out but it certainly seems like uh, coach and general manager are on the same page and and I think uh, Lapo likes what he has he likes what he has you know in all phases but certainly from an offensive perspective he likes what he has I think it starts again with the offensive line it continues to the fact that he's got a veteran quarterback um, I, he likes his depth at, at quarterback as well I mean Caleb Evans started Sens last year and maybe would have done a little bit better if, you know, he would have had a better offensive line in front of him. And again, the weapons that they've got from running back to receivers at the skill positions, they just have more. So yeah, I think he's, look, he's excited, right? I mean, uh, downplaying a little bit in the media, the fact that he's coming back to Winnipeg, but you know, this is a special place, you know, his kids grew up here, uh, met his wife, Tina here, nine seasons here. This is where he, you know, started as a head coach uh, with the Bombers in, in 2010 and led them, led them to a Grey Cup appearance in 2011. So Winnipeg will always hold a special place in, in his heart, no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, he's focused on the task at hand and, you know, he wants a win here today. I'm sure you, if you could uh, put a win at any point of the entire season, uh, this one tonight to get the team 1-0 and beat the Bombers would be at the top of the list. AJ Jacobek's with us. AJ, listen, I, I can't have you on without talking a little Canadian soccer. I mean, uh, regular yeah. listeners and viewers will remember our conversations. You traveled around the world watching Canada qualify for the World Cup. We got it. So much excitement. And then... What happened last weekend happened with the cancellation of that game against Panama. I don't know if there's someone that is more invested in this team that we could have on the program than you. Take us back to last weekend. What was your reaction and uh, what do you make of the uh, the dispute that is still ongoing despite the fact that they played last night and put four up in a big win over Curacao? Well, optimistic that this is going to get sorted. Um, disappointed that it went down the road that it did. And there's blame to go around. I, I think, look, Canada soccer has got to do some things that are better. Um, you know, certainly, I don't know what you can do if you're Canada soccer business, if you can help out in that regard as well. But, you know, I think the players deserve a fair deal. This is the thing I know about Canadian soccer players, because I, I've been the voice of the Ottawa Fury for six years before they ended up falling by the wayside and made way for Atletico Ottawa now in the Canadian Premier League in three years there. I mean, I spent a lot of time with, you know, the players and staff uh, members of, of all the various teams because I was in the bubble in PEI uh, for seven weeks um, for the Canadian Premier League bubble in, in 2020 and went, I was here for two weeks last year, although you'd never know it. I really never left the hotel <laughs> other than to go to the stadium. So held it's nice to be able to go for a walk again here, but <laughs> I, the, the thing about the thing about the players, um, look, I think they made a mistake. I think I think they should have made a stand, taken a stand. No one really knew about this, right? Like even I didn't. Uh, as close as I follow this, even I didn't know how 
mad they were about the potential deal. So that they, there are a lot of things they could have done differently to, to kind of keep the ball rolling and kind of protest in their own way um, and, and say, look, we need a better deal. This is what we're doing tonight, but we need a better deal and we're not going to accept this. And I think they would have got, you know, the, the bulk of the public on their side. So I think it was a not a great decision. I think it was a little misguided, but I'll say this about the players that, that give back to this country. They truly do want what's best for Canadian soccer. And I think what they wanted to do was kind of set things up, not just for themselves, right? I mean, the, the money's not going to make a difference for an Alfonso Davies or a Jonathan David. This is about the players, you know, further down the roster. And this is about the players down the road so they don't have to fight uh, something like this as well. So I, I think their hearts were in the right place, but I don't think it, it was the right time and the right method to go about it. So hopefully they get a fair deal. Hopefully Canada soccer steps up and, and gives them a fair deal. But I appreciate the fact that, you know, at least I hope, right. And that's why they're looking for transparency. They're not just padding their own pockets in terms of, you know, salaries for CEOs and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of that money goes back into grassroots. A lot of that money goes back into the Canadian premier league into other programs. So I, I definitely see, all sides on this, um, you know, hopefully, as, as I said about a week ago on the radio, I said, better now, look, it's it's not great, but better now than in November. Can you imagine if this was going on in November in the lead up to the World Cup? And, and they showed on the pitch what kind of professionals they are. Even in spite of all the mess, they went out and they got the job done last night um, with, a, with an impressive 4-0 win over Curacao, who's not a terrible opponent in, in CONCACAF. So, uh, disappointing for any fans that bought tickets to either of the games that ended up being canceled, right? The Iran game never should have been um, booked in the first place. There's a handful of countries that, that are kind of toxic right now, right? Russia, you know, you think back to South Africa during the, uh, the apartheid era. And, you know, in this country, when 85 people died in a plane crash, um, the, 85 Canadians died in a plane crash and, and Iran still hasn't really taken direct responsibility for that. Well, you know, I, I think you can understand why there would be a lot of hesitation to have a game like that. So hopefully they smarten up a, a little bit uh, on the Canadian soccer side and, and learn a few things out of this. And, and hopefully they, the players get uh, a, a fair deal for what they have, uh, the joy that they have brought to this country and certainly uh, hopefully more joy to be brought uh, in November and December in Qatar. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, listen, I guess it's important and and a positive that this came out now to your point as opposed to closer to the World Cup. I will say this, that, you know, on both sides, but especially on the Canadian soccer side and the Canadian soccer business, this is an opportunity that soccer in this country has not had in, well, maybe ever, because the world is so ever. different from when they were just in the World Cup and it was great to be there. They didn't score a goal. This is so different right now. And if we want to get this game to the next level and have this continue, um, they need to step it up and and, and be an organization um, of a soccer power that has, you know, a team's going to the World Cup, world champion, Olympic champion women's team. And uh, hopefully we'll see that happen and they can take advantage of the opportunity that uh, our teams have presented soccer in Canada. AJ, great having you on the program. Last one out, back to the CFL. Um, I think most would agree the Bombers are the team to beat as the due time defending champions. Who's number two 
in the Canadian Football League right now in your AJ Jacobek power poll heading into tonight's CFL kickoff? Well, two teams have represented their respective sides in the last two great cups. And, and so just like Winnipeg is the team to beat that everyone has to go through in the entire league and, and certainly in the West, um, I'm sticking with Hamilton. Um, I picked Hamilton first. I actually had Ottawa third to start, but after preseason, and I know I shouldn't base anything on preseason, but after seeing, you know, four picks against a very young Ottawa team, I, I flipped that around and at Ottawa too. I'm not as sold on Toronto, but I think the East, I love the fact that I can look at anybody's predictions one through four in the East and say, okay, yeah, that could happen. I, I really think top to bottom in the East is, is very competitive and anyone can finish first. Anyone can finish last. Co injuries is going to be a big part of it. But uh, yeah, I, I still think, hey, you know what? They've got their coach um, in Orlando Steinauer, who's done a terrific job. They still have some real key pieces there, including their quarterback in Dane Evans. Um, you know, obviously, if he gets hurt, they don't have the safety blanket. But uh, Hamilton's still the team to beat in the East until uh, someone proves otherwise, uh, given what we've seen the last two seasons. AJ, have a great call tonight. And uh, hey, these teams are going to get back at it after not seeing each other for a very long time. Hopefully we can do this again next week. Uh, have a great call tonight. And uh, thanks so much for uh, doing this and travel safe back to uh, the nation's capital. Cheers, Hustler. Can't wait. Should be a fun night. <laughs> All right on at the Super AJ on Twitter. That's our guy, AJ Jackabek from TSN in Ottawa, who will have the visitors broadcast tonight from IG Field. All right, Michael Remus is going to get back in here. We got to get to some cool bet lines. And uh, yes, I know. I saw in the chat, everyone is polishing the marbles right now. Um, hey, I want to give a big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Um, we, uh, I've had such great support of Nick and Nikki. Uh, from really day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk, and they continue to grow. Uh, but hey, let's take advantage of this blizzard weather, not the blizzards we've been talking about all winter long, uh, but the delicious ice cream tweet available at your favorite Nick and Nicky DQ. Four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and the DQ St. Anne's. Try one of those royal blizzards, and when you're there, make sure to get yourself a... Uh, one of the new stack burgers that everyone's talking about. And hey, if you need a cake for an upcoming event, might be easiest just to hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you want. They'll get it customized and ready to go for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. Uh, the Canadian Club's going to be flown tonight at IG Field. Of course, you can pop by your local Canada Inns beer store and grab a six-pack of CC and ginger when you do that, you'll get a free Winnipeg Blue Bombers Slim Can Koozie, perfect for the ready-to-drink mixers. And you'll also be entered to win an autographed Winnipeg Blue Bomber jersey. There's one up for grabs at each and every Canadian bottle store. And uh, I'll tell you what, as far as the, tonight's game, you'll be able to get the great taste of Canadian Club throughout IG Field. They're the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I know there'll be quite a bit poured over at the Jim Beam Stillhouse, the Bruegel Rum Hut, out at tonight's game. Big thanks to Canadian Club for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, and I know there's a big night market happening at Assiniboi Downs over the weekend, but come next Monday, it is time to get back to the track and get horsing around again. Full regular schedule now until the end of the season. Live racing on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. 
The world-famous Prime Rib Buffet is back. Had it earlier this weekend. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. And make sure you join us beginning next Monday for the next six race days. We're going to have a free contest here on Winnipeg Sports Talk where you pick the winner of a selected race. Send in your emails to your picks, and we're going to pick five winners over the course of the next couple of weeks to join myself and Michael Remus, bring a guest, chow down on that incredible prime rib buffet, and have a great time at the uh, track when uh, we get the WST gang together. So make sure to join us for that beginning on Monday, and you can find out more on everything going on at Cinnaboy Downs over at asdowns.com. All right, let's get Remo in here. The marbles are being polished. We got to get to the cool bet lines. Did I see while we were on the show some breaking news from the People's Insider, Kevin Weeks, Reem? Yeah, people are letting us know in chat uh, that Kevin Weeks has a video out. I don't really care about like the news part of it. Like, Whatever it is, yeah, fine. Like I'll I'll great. look forward to finding it. But How? I'm more interested as to where he is, <laughs> how he's dropping. The, uh, hey, what's going on, you NHL fans? And uh, and I guess, too, what the information in this. Do we have this? Can, can we drop it for people that are with us live? Yeah, I'll just get into it right now. The People's Insider, Kevin Weeks. What's going on, you NHL fans? We see coming to you live here. Hope you're all doing well. Happy Friday. Some breaking news for you. I understand that the Buffalo Sabres are working on acquiring the contract of Ben Bishop from the Dallas Stars. Again, Buffalo Sabres working on acquiring the contract from Ben Bishop of the Dallas Stars. What's going on, you NHL fans? I just get fired up every time I hear that or see it. Kevin Weeks, he is the people's insider, and I do believe he dropped that Remo in the middle of a workout, if I'm not mistaken. Is he in a rowing machine there? I'm try- <laughs> is he lying down at the foot of a treadmill? I'm trying to figure out what it was. We can bring it up again here. Um, I don't know. Life fitness. Yeah. Something like, yeah, either potentially a rowing machine or maybe one of those ones where you're not sure what they're called, but you're, I don't work. Yeah. I don't go to the gym, so I don't know. I don't know either. Not quite our area of expertise, (laughs) the the machinery in the life fitness that Kevin Weeks is at right now. (laughs) We'll have to find out, but yeah, I mean, we've seen him outside. We've seen him in the shower, um, at the pool. Here he is. Working out. Way to go. Yeah. Way to go, Weeksy. <laughs> Atomic Kong, he is weightless on the space station. Anyways, thank oh. you to Lyndon and everyone that had, give us the heads up that there was a new Weeks bomb out. At, when it happens, we're playing yeah. it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. He's the best. The people's insider, Kevin Weeks. Um, we, just, we never even mentioned Ben Bishop going to the stars, the implications of that we just care about where he is yeah okay the contract to ben bishop to buffalo i mean listen even the most minute obscure details if weeks wants to do a video we're here for it and we'll play it here on winnipeg sports talk daily um great stuff man with uh, the guys both aj and ed getting ready for this game tonight and uh i always enjoy having Murat on the program and uh, man we were able to chop up a lot between the coaches hopefully we've ended the coaching search with the offer of a lifetime of free beer from our friends at Little Brown Jug for Barry Trotz and a Trotz beer named after the coach. 
Um, so maybe we'll have a press conference next week and we can take credit for being the closers, Remo. Uh, that being said, great stuff from Marat, as always, uh, with our little Jets offseason talk and a really interesting piece in The Athletic today on a potential Shifley deal. Yeah, those trade offers that he made were extremely underwhelming. So I, I saw a lot of comments from about that as well. We'll have to see if that happens, if they do go ahead with the trade. But I don't know if any of those trades make the Winnipeg Jets better for this season and seemingly that's what they want to do is be better than than last year so maybe a coach can come in and see if they can you know get everyone pulling on the same rope right isn't that the term that they were using yep yep and, and uh they can fix things seemingly that would be the easiest way but if it's an unfixable situation then you know maybe you do have to look at a trade and if you lose a bit short term uh, you know, you hope it's what addition by subtraction. I guess. Great point by our guy, Les Thompson. What's up, Les? Sabres have $45 million in cap space. Might be a good place for a Jets defenseman to end up and be traded to. Uh, we'll talk a lot about cap space coming up over the course of the weeks leading into the draft, but in particular into free agency here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, Remo, I'm ready to do the cool bet lines. Oh, by the way, if you just tuned in uh, or in the last little bit, getting ready for marbles, you did miss our offer to Barry Trotz. I'm not just joking about this. This has gone right up to the top of Little Brown Jug. A, a lifetime of free beer. Free beer for life for Barry Trotz if he becomes head coach of the Winnipeg Jets and a beer named after the would-be new head coach. We've talked about the Trotz homecoming lager, Trotz Perry Pilsner, uh, Barry's Brew. That was a Murata Tesh one. Uh, Barry's Dauphin Draft. Um, but what you need to know about Little Brown Jug is two weeks from today. Mark this down, gang. We'd love to see you out there. We're going to be doing the show live on location Friday afternoon, heading into the weekend. If you're able to ditch out a little early or get the day off, make a point of joining us down at Little Brown Jug. One o'clock start, as usual, with a live show at LBJ. And then I'm sure we'll hang around and have a few 19s, uh, maybe a Hefeweizen, a Sizer, the Saison. Well, we'll make try them all after Winnipeg Sports Talk. So two weeks today, we'll be live at Little Brown Jug. Looking forward to that. And who knows, maybe we can be talking about Barry's Brew. Maybe we'll be able to welcome him on. Maybe he can take. we'll take him through the entire brewery and um, he can start imagining what the Trots beer will be like if he comes back. Anyways, looking forward to it. Two weeks today, Little Brown Jug. Um, Remo, I'm ready to get into the Cool Bet lines, but uh, why don't we open registration for the marbles right now? We can get to the lines. We'll hit these CFL games for this evening as well as the hockey and then finish up the week by dropping the marbles as we love to do on the program. Yes, it is open. I see a couple people going in prematurely, but exclamation mark marbles. We'll get you in. We'll have the race. I've updated everything, so it should be good to get on track here. And here, here they come in chat. And please, if you are entering the race, make sure you do hit that red subscribe button. I've been looking at our stats, us like 50% of people who watch our videos aren't subscribed. I don't even know how that's possible. Down below. Thumbs up. What are you waiting for? Right there. The red button, everyone. You do to win, you need to be subscribed. 
But how about just to play? You need to be subscribed. Jump on it. Hit that red button. It's completely free. When you get to YouTube, you see whatever new content from Winnipeg mm-hmm. Sports Talk in the feed. And if you haven't already, do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up as yeah. well. Um, so exclamation mark marbles in the chat. It looks like everyone is getting in there. If you are new and you're wondering what the hell are you guys talking about, uh, we do a fun video marble race at the end of each show. And we do have a number of we do have a hoodie basically our version of the green jacket for the masters uh it's a collab hoodie winnipeg sports talk and canadian club we've got those and by the way i need to make a public apology to our guy cruiser 24 who won last week uh huge huge f up on my part uh he was coming to pick up his hoodie on wednesday i had forgot that i had a meeting uh, on some business stuff for Winnipeg Sports Talk. Got the alert, went there, was in the meeting, so I was ignoring my phone, and poor Cruiser. I sort of stood Cruiser up. So, Cruiser, I owe you one big time. I'm going to get that to you soon. I'll see if I can find anything else in the tickle trunk to take care of you for the time. But anyways, a public apology to last week's winner, Cruiser24. Maybe you can be the winner. I'll be better and more prompt and on time with the delivery for you. Uh, Again, sorry to Cruiser. So here we go. Exclamation mark marbles. Get those in. All you need to do is uh, type that in the chat. You'll get a marble. We'll probably add a few others as well. Barry Trotz definitely getting one today. And, uh, And then we'll do it. But let's get to the cool vet lines. Because, of course, it is opening weekend in the Canadian Football League. Dustin and I did our picks today on the lock shop. Started off with a push yesterday for the uh, Calgary Stampeders. Ended up getting it at minus three earlier in the week. And that was good because the line ended up at four. And obviously the Alouettes covered if you had that number. As far as tonight's game goes, Remo, we've seen a pretty big drop in the line from Winnipeg and Ottawa. Yesterday, even late last night when I was putting the picks together... It was minus nine and a half for Winnipeg. We've seen it go from eight and a half to seven and a half to seven and now six and a half for the Bombers. So if you thought the Bombers were going to cover, you're getting a much, much better number right now. And uh, heck, if you and you can't go any higher than six right now. So minus 115 to win by a touchdown, seven points. It's minus six and a half. Bombers minus 345 on the money line. Oh, and that's just gone down to minus 110 on six and a half. Obviously, people are betting Ottawa. Maybe people are sleeping on the champs. Um, Other games in the CFL. Hamilton is a two and a half point underdog tomorrow in the early game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Regina. And the late game, Dustin Nielsen will have this call as well on TSN. 9 p.m. start tomorrow night. The BC Lions and the Edmonton Elks in BC right now. Four and a half point favorites. CFL futures are still up right now. Uh, they don't have the winners anymore because one of those games has been played, but you can get in Zach Caleros passing touchdowns over under 23 and a half. Uh, Andrew Harris rushing touchdowns for the season over under six. Uh, a number of player props for teams that haven't played yet if you do want to get in a uh, season-long action. As far as the NHL game tomorrow, the Tampa Bay Lightning minus 185 favorites to move on in six and book their ticket to the Stanley Cup final against the Colorado Avalanche. If you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. All right, Remo, we're just about ready to close this sucker up and get this marble race ready. Yeah, well, let me say my picks. Come on. 
I know last week, last Friday, I didn't give any picks. Out, oh, you've got but, some picks. Perfect. Give it. Well, I got to take, got to take the bombers here. Minus six and a half. I was a bit hesitant with the bigger number. I think it opened up pretty high and a lot of, uh, a lot of people hammered Ottawa. I think they're a different team, but I think six and a half, I think you could jump on that. BC minus four and a half. I'll throw on that one. I don't know. I don't think Saskatchewan is that great. We'll see how Dane Evans is at quarterback. Maybe you take the home team there. Minus two and a half. How about, I like the props, though, on Cool Bet. Us. Um, Rashid Bailey. Oh, they had receiving yards. Uh, 40 receiving yards. Is that still there? Oh, player rec uh, yards. Yeah, 45 receiving yards for Rashid Bailey. I feel like he can do that in, in like one or two catches. Yeah, Nick Dembski, 50 and a half. He's yeah. always good. He could do that in one catch sometimes. I mean, Nick, you know, with those short ones over the middle. I think Nick Dembski's going to be a real go-to guy, even more than he's been in the past for the Bombers this year. I'm curious how Greg Ellingson um, fits in as well uh, with the Bombers offense. His catches is four and a half. You know, he's done that over a bit previously. You know, sometimes last year, Edmonton didn't really use him as much as they should have. I wonder if the Bombers look to uh, feed Greg Ellingson. Um, that's what I got for, for that. For the hockey, we said yesterday, Huss, that at least I kept saying the series isn't over till a team loses at home. Well, the Rangers lost at home. So we can, we're going to have a lightning avalanche Stanley Cup final. It's going to be pretty good. So, well, might... I think we will. And, you know, we hit this earlier on the lock shop, and I think I did this on Winnipeg Sports Talk as well. But going into the series, I had taken the lightning minus one and a half at just about even money. Uh, for the series. So essentially the lightning to win in four, five, or six games. Didn't look too good after two games, but now that they've won three in a row, they're obviously a big favorite to win that. If you were on that and wanted to hedge it out, you could get on the Rangers at plus 158, guarantee yourself a profit on one side or the other. That being said, I'm doubling down. I'm taking the puck line on the on the lightning tomorrow, plus 150 oh. to get it done. I think either they run away with it or um, they're up late in the game, and of course, that potential of elimination will mean that Chesterkin will be out, and maybe an empty netter gets it done. So that's that's what happened yesterday, too. Absolutely, the exact same thing happened. Yeah, if you if you had the puck line yesterday on Tampa, you were pretty damn happy with the timing of that late goal mm -hmm. to get the goalie pulled and the, then get the win by two. Again, CoolBet.com. Use promo code WST on your first deposit. Hundred percent bonus up to two hundred dollars. All right, Remo, why don't you get the uh, get the marbles ready? And in the meantime, I'm going to take another quick look at the RBC Canadian Open leaderboard. Oh, my guy, Matty Fitzpatrick, is a 10 under par right now, a two-shot lead over Wyndham Clark. Fitzpatrick, for his round so far today, was two under on the front nine and has started off his back nine with back-to-back -back birdies on 10 and 11. Uh, Fitzpatrick was a 20 to one number, uh, when we did the picks earlier on the lock shop and that certainly would be nice, but Hey, it's the Canadian open. Let's talk about the Canadians. The other guy that was on the card was Adam Hadwin and Hadwin is having himself a day as well. He is two under on his round, had an Eagle three on the ninth hole birdied 11 playing 12 right now. And Adam Hadwin is minus three so far through 12. Uh, but the big story here in Manitoba is the performance of Manitoba's own Aaron Cockrell. Of course, Mike McIntyre joined us earlier in the week. He was over in Hamburg watching Cockrell play on the DP European Tour. And now he got back sponsor's invite for his first ever 
PGA Tour start, RBC Canadian Open. And uh, the young man from our province is acquitting himself very well. Cockrell will play the weekend. He is tied for 22nd right now after a two under 68. Uh, had three birdies on his back nine, just one bogey on the front nine. And uh, what a way for him to dip his feet into the waters of the best tour in the world, playing against a pretty deep field over at St. George's. Of course, TSN will have coverage all weekend long. Uh, other Canadians right now, let's do a quick look. As I mentioned, Hadwin is at minus three. Cockrell's at minus two. Nick Taylor's minus two. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes minus one. Corey Connors minus one. And that's big. Corey was one over yesterday. Uh, so a very important performance. Adam Svensson is at even right now, and he's in it. So it does look like the over-under was five and a half on Canadians to make the cut. The projected cut right now is plus one. Jared Dutois also there. Roger Sloan, the one shot back, and it looks like he won't play the weekend. Um, so listen, I can't wait to see Aaron Cockrell do what he uh, hopefully can do on the weekend. What a great round today, and that is awesome for Canadian golf, but especially golf here in Manitoba. All right, Remo, you know what we got to do. Mm -hmm. It's uh, just about Marbles time on WSD. Yeah, well, I'm putting in the extra entries. We've got 145. Okay. In, and then I'm adding Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz, definitely. Okay, Murad gets one, right? Because he's here on the Friday. Absolutely. Anyone else? Uh, well, uh, let's see. Who from this week has been a big star on WST? Uh, we'll put, let's put, put you and me in. It's nice for us to have, uh, have a marble. Okay. Sure. In, in. And, uh, and let's give Mike O'Shea a, uh, a marble sure. as well. Coach, you know, you win two great cups, you get a marble and, um, you know, a third, a third great cup for Mike will give him a permanent marble. There's, there's our offer. We're, we're making all sorts of offers to coaches today. Lifetime beer supply and his own beer for Barry Trotz from Little Brown Jug. If he comes here to Winnipeg and a perma marble for Coach O'Shea if the Bombers can get it done. That being said, a good luck marble for Coach going into tonight's game. Yeah. Do you want to give one to Aaron Cockrell as well? Or, yes, or... yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Aaron oh, Cockrell. And Kyle Connor was on. Remember we had Kyle Connor on KFC. earlier this week? KFC, 100%. Yeah, I'll, write, I'll just write KFC. Yeah, everyone knows. Everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, Weeb, Weeb is not getting a marble today. There's no wake yeah. up. He's out gallivanting at the Gray Owl in Clear Lake. He is out. Marat gets the marble today for his visit to us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. By the way, Rory McIlroy, some people wondering where he's at. He's on the 12th hole. He's five under for the tournament, five shots back from Matthew Fitzpatrick. And Justin Thomas has got a birdie putt on 12 right now. He is two under so far. All right, Remo, where are we going today? Let me get it ready. Um, so we got 152 in. I'm looking at the races. They do a nice people requesting a long one. Sure. I don't. I don't even know what's here. Mm, let's see if I can do a longer one. I'm looking. Theo Seegers. We can't keep up with KFC. That would be funny if he all of a sudden has the fastest marble, much like he's the fastest guy in the ice as well. Only one way to find out. Well, I did see. I don't know if you saw this. Aaron Cockrell was wearing. A Kyle Connor jersey at uh, on the course today. What? Yeah, there's a picture. I think Mike posted it. Let me pull it up as I set this up here. Get out! Now I did see. I can't remember who it was through a jersey on yesterday, and I'm sure before even seeing this, 
pretty much can guarantee it's on the par three 16th hole, which they call the rink. And they've got the hockey boards around the guys hit it. They're all banging it. Um, but that is phenomenal. Let's get this up. We haven't, haven't seen this before. Um, Aaron Cockrell, PGA tour debut rep in his home town team and home province team, the Winnipeg jets. And of course, Kyle Connor, who uh, was on the program later on. Big week for Connor, Lady Bing, and getting some love on the PGA Tour. Oh, here it is. Uh, he's wearing the jersey. So Mike's taking this picture as he approaches the rink hole at the open. Aaron Cockrell wears a Jets Kyle Connor jersey. So there you go. Love it, love it. We'll reach out. We'll see if we can make something happen and get Aaron on the program next I week. Think. What a great time to have him on, um, You know, considering he's uh, going to be playing the weekend in his first PGA Tour event. Yeah, also in the, you know, the correct time zone here in North America. So maybe the timing would work out. I don't know. Exactly. It's a little tougher. And Atomic Kong, yes, it was Mark Hubbard who wore the McKinnon jersey yesterday. I did see that. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get this going. Okay. Bomber game tonight. Don't forget, uh, let's do some hijinks and fun outside the stadium beforehand. Make sure you're in your seat by 7.30, though to uh, welcome the champs back to the field and raise another Grey Cup banner at IG Field. time on winnipeg sports talk it has been a great week uh, continue to have some great turnouts especially live on youtube thanks to everyone for uh, making us a part of your day whether you're on podcast or whether you're on youtube for folks that are with us on youtube just make sure you've hit that red subscribe button and hit that thumbs up as well so you're eligible to win uh what do we have here today where are we at real marble fabrication sorry this is the factory too uh, I don't know what marble, uh, marble fabrication is. And I see Jay Miller in chat wondering who was singing that. He says, is this lover boy? No, it is uh, the one and only Tristan Rivers music. with the Former Marble Race champion himself and yes. the muse of the Winnipeg digital sports scene. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we're all set here at the Factory 2. Factory 2, folks. It's been a great week. Friday... It's not the weekend yet until the marbles are dropped on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remus, take it away. And they're off. Here we go. What do we have here? So the Factory 2. Going to be going down both sides. Nice starts for Al Broderick. Larry TSG I saw getting in there. Larry's got a good, uh, good jump. Paul Carr, Kenny's water bottle in the mix. Pretty and Pionk. Great name, one of our favorites. Uh, who's coming out first? It looks like Dean Morey is a very slight lead. Larry's in the mix. Oh. Ross Ransby. Oh, booze is not going to like that. Shorn and, uh, Shorn and Ross have a running bet each and every day against each other. And uh, it's been Roscoe's world for uh, on the Marvels over the, the last little while. Uh, who do we have in first right now? It looks like it's all over the place. Larry, Larry TSG, 
Oh, Mark A. Mark's always there. Larry Eloy, a number of familiar faces. Eagle Eyes, Moose 3. Everyone bunched up, though, as we get into this part. Oh, Kenny's water bottle into the mix. KFC! KFC's right at the start right now, too. Wouldn't that be something if Kyle Connor won this thing? That would be great. Now, this is a wild spot. We're into some sort of a tube. Uh, who's that? Who's loving life? Lori loving life. Kevin Kowalak. Neo and John D right now is how things are looking. Lori with a very slight lead over Kevin. And Neo, I believe from the Matrix, trying to make some magic happen as well. The factory continues. Still very, very tight with our top three marbles. Lori, Kevin, Neo, John D and Moose 3 right behind them. Uh, on the conveyor belt, heading up to the super heating part of the factory too. And it is still so, so tight. Lori, Kevin, Neo, and John all in the mix. Kevin with the nice boot. John D gets shot ahead. And John's in the oh. room. But John is going over the top rope. He's eliminated. Kevin Kowalik in the lead. Can Kevin hang on? He's going into crash testing right now. Manny Fran is a goner. Sorry about that, Manny. Uh, Zach C, we're starting to get some KOs. Ben Lawrence also taken out. And Kevin Kowalik is our winner today. Makes it in first. What a race that was. Jay Miller in the mix in second. Looks like uh, Neo, Ryan Kermicki, Murata Tesh in fifth. A top five performance by Murat. Unbelievable. Mark A, Moose 3, Dave the Fantasy, Kenny's Water Bottle, and Larry TSG for our final one. Um, wow, an excellent, excellent marble race today here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. There's Barry Trotz going into the uh, hopper. Barry finished. Uh, we've got Derek Schmidt, iHeart Gaming, Bruce H., Akash. Oh, Earl. Earl just went over the top rope. Everyone else coming in. Uh, and we'll see who the final marble is as well. We'll hook that person up with the uh, cake from our friends over at Nick and Nikki DQ. Who's going to be last across the line? Uh, we got Atomic Com and Ling Reimer there. There's Phyllis and D-Train. Oh, D-Train just got thrown over the top rope. Who's up at the top here? Aaron Cockrell taking his time, but he is safely into the box and, of course, safely into the weekend at the RBC Canadian Open. Uh, Evan Hunter, Rob Somerville, Miller Time, Shane Mason, and the coach, Mike O'Shea, taking their sweet time, although I think they're going to get burned up. In case, in case they get in. Can Rob Somerville get in? No. Rob Somerville got burned up. Uh, I think it was Miller time. What up, Scott? Nice work. Uh, last place today. But Kevin Kowalik is our winner. 220 across the finish line. Beating Jay Miller, Neo, Ryan Kernicki, and a great debut from Murata Tesh. A top five finish in today's marble race. Remus. What a race it was. There were a number of people... Coming down to the wire, but uh, some guys went off the top rope. I know Manny Fran was in there, and it was Kevin Kowalik outlasted them all, finishing. That was a great one at the factory, too, as we head down the list. Nice performance by Murat. I saw myself uh, come out of the gate strong, but faded out. Uh, what a track it was. Oh, I see Ross got 18th. That's <laughs> bad news for poor Shorn again. Uh, where, who won between the two of us, Reem? Did we both get through? Mm, that is a good... I got 39. Oh, there's you. You're 39th. I never even saw mine. KFC 4030 was so close there. 
I wonder if I got thrown over the top rope. Barry Trotz finished in 61st. This is my guy, Hugh Wachenko. What's up, Hugh? Frosty. Oh, there, you're 79th. 79th. Not a great performance by my, uh, by my marble today. Yeah, should have polished harder. I uh, weren't, yeah. <laughs> weren't polishing enough. I was too busy. Um, listen, gang, what a great weekend, or what a great week, and hopefully a great weekend coming up. Uh, I'll be kicking around the North End, I'm sure, tonight at the game. So if you see me, make sure to say hi. Otherwise, enjoy yourselves, whether you're at the game tonight or uh, elsewhere. We'll uh, be all over it on Monday, talking about the first Bomber game of the season. May have our Stanley Cup matchup already, NBA Finals as well, and, of course, the latest on the Winnipeg Jets offseason. And who knows? Our uh, our attempt to close the deal today with Barry Trotz. Maybe we'll be talking about a new head coach for the Winnipeg Jets. And if it's Barry, lifetime supply of free beer from our friends at Little Brown Jug and a Barry Trotz beer will be crafted. I don't know how anyone could say no to that. Uh, Remo, what's up with you? You're uh, not at the game tonight? Busy weekend planned or what? Not at the... Yeah, I got a bunch of family events, uh, nephew's bar mitzvah. So uh, I will be, be busy most of the weekend. I hope to... That I'll be watching the game on TV tonight, but I know I'll be at uh, IG Field later on this season. Hey, uh, Wolfsbane 11 just jumped on as a supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, thanks very much, Wolfsbane, for becoming a member. Join us daily, and uh, we certainly appreciate the support. Anyone else, if you want to get the access to the emotes and the uh, green font and the mic, um, that's for our members. And uh, $2 a month, great way to support the channel, as opposed to maybe a super chat. Get to use some more fun stuff in the chat throughout. And again, podcast folks, have a great weekend. Thanks so much for being with us. We will see you on Monday, live 1 p.m., hopefully talking about some great Canadian performances at the Canadian Open, including Manitoba's Aaron Cockrell, Bombers, Jets, and more. Your first spot for Sports in the Peg is Winnipeg Sports Talk. See you at the game tonight, folks. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.